Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Here on Declare Your Independence. You know, I, I'm really excited about talking to our next guest, Jim Cantrell. Jim Cantrell, uh, interesting history. I'm going to let him kind of get you up on his bio. But how I know Jim is he had um, Vector Launch was a rocket company in Tucson that we got to go down. And, and uh, you know what you get to do? You know what you get to do? You, get, you have a right to keep and bear ICBMs. That's what you get to do. You know, he has a rocket. And the whole thing was to put up small satellites. Well, you know, you go in and out and stuff happen. Well, he started um, SpaceX with Elon in the beginning. They were, went to Russia. He needed a rocket guy, which happened to be what? It happened to be the gym. Okay? So what we're going to do, we got to go down. Me and a friend, we went down to uh, Tucson, toured the um, rocket assembly there, and he also built race cars, and he had you know a bunch of welders welding and doing and making and engine and nozzles and carbon fiber. So it was very educational, but we couldn't take pictures because that's a, a munitions violation if you go to jail. You took pictures of our right to keep and bear ICBMs. So what we're going to do is get updated on what he's doing now. There's a new project coming online that he's just in the beginnings of, and we get to hear everything about it. But he's only got a little while, so we're going to get right to it. So, Jim Cantrell, add whatever needs to be added to that. Phantomspace.com, you guys go check it out. I'll show you the web page here a little bit while he's yakking it. But go ahead and tell us, where you came from, you're a NASA guy. You know, I mean, I don't need to spend a whole bunch of time on every little old thing because I want to get to phantomspace.com. Jim, go, man. Hey, good to be with you again, Ernie. Uh, yeah, so started out life, uh, you know, pretty meager uh, kind of existence on a chicken ranch and uh, don't know how I ever expected to end up here, but here I am. But I uh, managed to somehow get a couple of degrees in engineering at Utah State. And uh, that landed me my first job at uh, NASA with JPL down in Pasadena, working Mars missions, and uh, invented something that the uh, French and Soviet mission, this was the 80s when the Soviet Union was still around, for those of you old enough to remember. And uh, they needed what I invented for a Mars balloon, and I ended up going to France and uh, working with the Soviets and the French. And uh, being a hardcore anti-communist, this was sort of a fascinating thing for me in my life to 
go actually face the bear firsthand, learn Russian, so forth, and uh, learn French, by the way, as well. Learn Russian so and so forth? You learned Russian? What, what, yeah, what to go work with them, to you know, glean from them what they knew? Why? Well, not not at that stage, you know. It's just uh, it was you know I'd, I'd learned French there and found out I was okay with languages, and then uh, everybody was taking Russian lessons, so I joined them and I gradually learned it. And uh, but the, the 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 Russians had a revolution in 1991, and uh, that kind of put a damper on things, and the program was starting to end because it was led by the Soviets. And uh, so I came back to the U.S. I got recruited uh, by the Defense Intelligence Agency to go back to Russia for about uh, six or seven years to help stop brain drain. There were all these missile scientists and nuclear weapon scientists who had very marketable uh, skills that were being paid by the government. So our job was to make sure that they were paid by, by us so they didn't go to work for the Iranians and so forth. So part of what we did there was converted ICBMs to satellite launchers, and uh, we got joint missile defense things going with the Russians. It's hard to believe in today's day and age that that's what we were doing back then, but that's what we did, and uh, that led Elon Musk to call me out of the blue in 2001 uh, looking for somebody to help him buy Russian rockets. And uh, so I took Elon over there on a number of tours, and uh, we figured out uh, you know, a Mars mission. He wanted to do a private Mars mission, and uh, we wanted to try to buy the rockets from the Russians, and they wouldn't sell it to him because he was a 20-something kid, albeit with a lot of money, uh, but the Russians saw him as not very serious. So as a result of that, you know, he said, hey, let's start SpaceX. And uh, so that's how SpaceX started. And uh, it was all about Mars, still is about Mars. And, uh, you know, but they've done tremendous things, as you as you see all the time. So uh, after after a little while with Elon, I left, started a, started a company called Strategic Space, where I got involved in a lot of space warfare stuff uh, with the government. And uh, then in about 2010, I just said I've had it with the government and uh, started out into uh, space startups. And so I helped a number of uh, satellite companies get started. And uh, some of, most of them actually are very successful today. And uh, Vector was one I started, which was to launch these satellites because SpaceX, albeit, you know, it's, it's provided a, a way to launch. It's not sufficient for the volumes that are happening. There's a literal explosion in small satellites that are happening now with uh, with the uh, funding that's that's private. So, you know, what we in essence did by starting SpaceX and launching this whole new industry is we, we stole the mantle of space exploration from nation states and gave it back to the people. So uh, th- this revolution is continuing, and you will probably see SpaceX uh, making uh, its first steps on Mars uh, uh, probably within my lifetime. And uh, it won't be a government that goes there. It'll be a private company, which I'm really, really proud of, having had a small part in that. So uh, Vector didn't last. We, uh, we, you mentioned, you know, we were building and doing, and we were. And uh, several of my co-founders were not uh, not keeping up with the pace of what we were promising the investors. And uh, the big investors pulled out. And so I left before... Uh, the, all the bad stuff happened, uh, and my, one of my co-founders took over and bankrupt the company. But in the meanwhile, uh, I said, uh, you know, this 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 idea is still a good one of mass manufacturing small launch vehicles, so that we can uh, launch uh, by the hundreds a year, and I get the price down. So it'll be the Henry Ford of space, and uh, I, I will credit my my wife Angela with uh, encouraging me to 
you know, get out of the swimming pool after I had to lick my wounds and uh, get back on the saddle. And uh, that's that's exactly what we did with Phantom. So so we started it in October of 19 and uh, very quiet. We've been quiet ever since, hence the name, uh, because, you know, it's my theory that if you're if you're talking, you're not doing. And uh, so we've been doing and uh, we've raised a bit of money and, uh, you know, pretty close to one hundred million dollars. And uh, we, we took a different strategy than we had at Vector. Uh, we started with a clean slate, both from the business case and from the uh, technology. So we started by, you know, looking at what things we buy and what things we build. And, for example, the engines that you were just showing, um, we, we buy those. There's a company in Colorado that makes them, and they do a really great job. We can afford them. So we can put together one of these launch vehicles for about uh, $4 million, the, the smaller one called Daytona. And uh, the, the Daytona is about a year away from launch, and uh, we've done a lot of testing with it already. We, we went out in, in uh, last November into the, the New Mexico desert and did a hot fire test of one of the stages, ran it through its pace as if it were flying to uh, space. So that was, that was a pretty big, big uh, uh, milestone. Uh, we've got uh, the, the flight vehicle coming together in our, in our factory in Tucson. And, uh, we've is it the same the place? No, different place. Um, the last one started out as my car shop, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, this one, we found a, an industrial facility at the right place and right time that was available. And uh, so it's about 50,000 square feet. Yeah, it's enough that we think we can make about 100 a year out of, out of this this facility itself. So we've got, you know, robotic welders in there and we've got clean rooms and you know, we also build satellites. Uh, so we, we, we start off with a, you know, 19 with a satellite contract, which we delivered the satellite, uh, about a year ago. And, uh, we've got two other satellites under, under contract right now. Uh, we've also had a lot of, uh, success in selling the rockets. NASA gave us a $300 million contract for launch services for small satellites. And we've won four launches on that contract. And uh, we have 23 uh, commercial satellite contracts for launch as well. All right, when are the so contracts to be fulfilled? Well, so th- there's so much demand on this. If you go to SpaceX, you have to wait three years for a launch. So people are literally battling over our first launches, uh, which we think will be about uh, the end of next year. And uh, we're going to do four launches in uh, uh, in in 25. And then we're going to do about 15 launches in 26. And uh, we have three uh, three launch sites that we've uh, put together. We, we have a dedicated launch site at Vandenberg Air Force Base on the West Coast. And uh, we'll put two pads in there. It's an old NASA scout site that's been abandoned. And we got, we got regulatory approval for 60 launches a year out of there. SpaceX has 12 a year approved. So we're moving, we're moving forward on that. They also... Um, uh, the 45th Space Wing uh, out on Cape Canaveral gave us uh, SpaceX's landing pads, so we take control of those next year. Uh, those are the ones where you see the, the SpaceX boosters landing at the Cape Canaveral uh, site. So those will be our future launch site. And then the big one for us is in the Bahamas. Uh, we've worked a, a drug deal, so to speak, with the uh, Bahama government to launch off of one of their northern islands. And uh, Hell yeah, get the heck out of the... They're freaking telling you what you can't, you know, and that's that. That was you, wasn't it? That was that was Jim yeah. Pantrell. Get us out of the, yeah. That, that feels like some Jim. You know, that's one thing. You know, a lot of the people. I don't know how much you want. All right, I'm going to do it because I can do it. You know, Jim is. Um, 
openly anti-freaking regulatory or piss me off, delay, 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 kind of coming from the background of, you know, in the NASA, whatever he knows. And he just has no love and is no, not shy about sharing it with people that he's not, you know, in with, you know, yes and boss and how high. You know, so this going to the Bahamas as a launch facility, you know, I know that wasn't a hard sell for you, but, you know, for the Bahamas, what was their input on that ability? Yeah, so it turns out we have an investor uh, in Phantom that owns an island in the Bahamas, and uh, he's uh, <laughs> I know. Dr. Evil. No, no, he's a hell of a nice guy, and uh, his island used to have a NASA launch site for sounding rockets. And, uh, you know, we were together at a dinner, and, and he started saying, hey, you know, maybe we can launch your rockets from my island. And so I, I had a look at it, you know, and I'm like, Carl, no, that, that won't work. And, uh, you know, you, you got all your buildings and stuff. I said, but, you know, maybe maybe some of the islands nearby. And he goes, yeah, there's this one for sale. So we started looking into it. And the more we looked into it, the more it made sense. And it's about a three-hour boat ride from Cape Canaveral. And uh, the northern part of the Bahamas are just really uninhabited. And uh, so so he knew very well the prime minister and is friendly with the parliament because he, he's a treasure hunter. And he's discovered sunken galleons out there and goes out and, and recovers them. And uh, splits the splits the loot with the uh, government. So, so he <laughs> gave us a uh, an audience with the prime minister, and, and we sold the prime minister on this, and the parliament approved it. And uh, so the idea is that you no, know, wait, 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 the- time out. When was this approved? It's done. The government said, "Yep, there yeah. it is. Peace out." You know when was this? Yeah, about six months ago. I got the letter from Ooh, from the Bahamas. Yeah, yeah, from the prime minister himself. Right. Yeah. yeah oh. So. so- Oh, that we have been talking. Me and a uh, close friend that you know follows space everything. He's he's going. I don't know why the hell they're messing around with the U.S. Why are they? You know, Boca Chica. We got to have in the, the snail dart turtle bird something. There's always something. And um, uh, the FAA license of maybe we will, maybe we won't. Kind of. So, what kind of regulatory delays and stuff do you expect in the Bahamas? Well, so we end up have because we're a U.S. manufacturer, we we end up having to uh, work on with the FAA, who's not bad, I will tell you. So, coming from me, that, that's a compliment. Uh, you know, we're we're also having to deal with the fact that we are considered a weapons manufacturer. I mean, what we're basically making is an ICBM. So that's probably the tall pole in the tent that we have to get through, which is, you know, getting the the government to allow us to temporarily export these to the Bahamas, but. You know, there are there are ways to do that, and the Bahamas is interested in this because it brings business to them, and, yeah. and we'll probably bring some satellite manufacturing lines there. And we want to bring the Bahamas into the into the 21st century as a spacefaring nation, and uh, they're, they're very excited about. Yeah, this. I would so imagine. We, okay, let me ask some questions because you're short on time, and I want to make sure that I get this in. If you're going to the Bahamas, all right, and you need to facility are you going to have factories there is it going to be in a barge are you going to have the you know the freaking carnival cruise ship manufacturing platform i mean how are you going to do this so so we'll manufacture initially the vehicles in the u.s we have two pads on this three pads on this one island we're looking at and uh which is which is a uh owned by the bahama government they'll lease it to us 
So we will transport those Orion barges, and uh, we'd have a you know small skeleton crew there, probably 10, 15 people is all, to facilitate the launches. We'll direct those launches from from Tucson. We have a mission control center in Tucson that can remotely launch these things. And then uh, over time, though, we're, we're looking at having what we call a franchise manufacturing operation there, kind of like what Mercedes does with cars in the U.S. They send, you know, assemblies over and then they're assembled finally in, in Alabama and they're considered a U.S. car. So that's, you know, down the road, we'll, we'll plan on doing that. We're also planning on putting satellite manufacturing facilities in the Bahamas, you know, on some of the uh, on the more major islands uh, as part of, you know, part of the drug deal, as I call it, that we did with the government. You know, they, they have to have a return, but it's, it's so attractive from a launch perspective uh, you know, geographically, we're, we're outside of the air lanes. So if you trace a line from Miami to Spain, that's really the bottom southern edge of your airline traffic. And if you're, if you're flying out of Cape Canaveral, you're going through that all the time and it pisses everybody off to break that down. So, if, you know, we've been thinking about how do you really fly 100, 150, 350 a year? And, uh, this is what you, this is what you need. You don't have ship traffic to deal with. You don't have air traffic. So, so it's the perfect place for it. So we're, we're, you know, we're happy Hell, to work Cuba with the would be perfect if they weren't so communist. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the Bahama government's been very easy to work with, and uh, you just you just have to think about it from their perspective. You know, about what what is it these people need and want, and how do we accommodate that? And, well, what's uh, the market? You know, this is it's this is exciting that you you um, got that option, but. Um, you know, for satellites to do what you're doing, because I was looking at one of your uh, rockets here. Let me go ahead and show the audience. You know, one of the rockets here was Laguna. I think it had, you know, it could go to the moon, payload to the moon. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's the second version. So, so that one will be both, you know, expendable, which can go to the moon. And then uh, reusable, which which will fly back the first stage. Well, you're looking but, at small uh, satellite. I mean, everything's getting smaller now. Yeah. Hell, they're you know orbiting with you know slingshots. But you know, yeah, the, yeah. Well, what what is it that you're uh, advocating putting up? What what is the market for you that you're going to be dealing with? Yeah, we're focusing on the under 500 kilograms or under roughly 1,000 pounds satellites. That's last year was half of the mass that went up worldwide was under 500 kilogram satellites. And then it was 95% by number of the satellites. And it's the fastest growing segment. And it's not well served by big rockets like the Falcon 9, because you have to pack them on like a bus and you go to a common destination, everybody drops off and, and it creates debris hazards. It's it's not where everybody necessarily wants to go. And we, we can do this actually cheaper than they can do that, as it turns out, because this is a very, very low cost rocket. And uh, so, so what we aim to do is to take twenty five percent of that market, and that'll that'll be a launch a day for us. So, so it's a fairly uh, fairly ambitious scope for us, but we think it's you know quite realistic. Well, this was your advocacy since forever. I remember, um, yep. you know, you're talking about this. We were doing shows before. Is that you're going? No, the future is you know these small rockets. I mean, uh, yep. small. Um, yes. Uh, uh, payloads and so on, because you're looking to have a um, uh, the future is going to be these small payloads. But that, I mean, we're getting right. down to CubeSats. So with 500 kilograms, I mean, you go a thousand pounds. That's a boat ton. That's a good of freaking CubeSats. Yeah. yeah, no, no. The CubeSats. It, it's funny. The market got smaller and smaller, and then it got bigger in terms of the average size of the satellite. 
And uh, so a lot of companies got caught with rockets that were too small. Astro's one of them. And uh, they weren't they weren't very feasible in the market anymore. What what people are looking for now is mostly satellites that are that are going to constitute a constellation, sort of like Starlink. Mm. And uh, those those are typically two hundred kilos, and uh, we can carry two of those apiece. Or some of the bigger ones like Amazon, uh, you know, we're talking with them, and they're they're like a four hundred kilogram satellite. So so you know th- this is a perfect fit for what we're doing. Um, and, and down the, down the road, you know, with the bigger rocket, we can, we can carry some of the bigger satellites, which are out there. So it expands our, our market reach a little bit with the two, these two sat, these two rockets. And what we basically do is reuse the first stage on that, on the Laguna, uh, later. And, uh, we can bring the, that, that about half. Oh, you're doing past. reusable? Yeah. On our, on our second version. Yeah. Yeah. And then ultimately, uh, our, our third rocket, which we don't have on the web, is called Seabrain, which has a reusable second stage, so a flyback second stage from space. Damn. It's a, it's a space what was it Jim Cantrell from Phantom Space said? The third rocket that they don't even have on the web page is going to have a second stage recovery vehicle? Oh, space plane. Yeah, that's what he said. You know, we didn't get to delve into it. We were limited on time, but I definitely wanted to point that out. We have the first ship is uh, going to be inexpensive to get things into orbit up to, what was it, 400 kilograms into the second one and being recoverable on the second ship. And then the third one is going to be second stage recoverable, a space plane. Interesting. Well, Freedom's Phoenix has been covering the space race since... Oh, the first Merlin one, Falcon one with the first Merlin engines were launching in the Pacific. And I remember the first three failed, always some little bolt or too much humidity, something, you know, uh, rocket science is rocket science. (laughs) But um, uh, Falcon 9 came online and man, it hasn't skipped a beat. Then they put three of them together, make Falcon heavy and Starship has a hundred tons it can take to orbit. This is going to go really fast. Now, a lot, what a lot of people don't know is that Starship is not the final version. It's going to have twice the capacity, like a thousand tons to orbit or to Mars. This is just, you know, the proof of concept going into going to Mars. So we'll be keeping track of this for you guys. But you can go to freedomsphoenix.com and you go to space travel and exploration category and you can see the progression from the beginning we'll be right back with more with jim cantrell from phantom space this is mark edge with free talk live mark warden with porcupinerealestate.com is one of the best real estate agents i've ever worked with I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com. Roads? It's the Ernest Hancock Show. Where we're going, there aren't any roads. 
Welcome back to Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, on the Free Talk Live Network. We're finishing our conversation with Jim Cantrell from phantomspace.com. I've known Jim Cantrell for years and his involvement in the space race, which we've been covering for a long time. And we are getting to where everything that was promised to me, I was born in 61, graduated high school in 79. So that... uh, Makes me 62. <laughs> but um, what happened, as I was promised as a young man, um, keep in mind, in the early 60s, I lived in Central Florida, and it was all space race, all Cape Canaveral, Cape Kennedy, Kennedy Space Center, Saturn V launches, uh, rocket burgers, and imagine you're four or five years old, and everything you see is rockety, and you look at the exhaust coming out like it was a, you know, turbines of speed thing on a car, and you go, that's just the exhaust pipe, those liars. But this has been what I grew up on and what we expected. God, in 67, 68, when Star Trek started, what was I, seven, eight years old, first, second, third grade? We thought we were going to have talking computers. Of course, we're going to have artificial intelligence. Of course, we're going to have communicators. Of course, we're going to have tricorders. Of course, yeah, it's called it's called a smartphone. Access to all information is available to us, correct information and not so correct information at the same time. So you got to use your brain. But you have um, a, a long time to evaluate different pieces of information, but you do it on what you see. And they, them, those, won't leave us alone, know that. It's all about general public opinion. And inspiration, fear, positive waves, negative waves, all that goes into it. Now, what I remember, we had the space shuttle. In the 70s, you had the space shuttle prototype that they were testing and dropping, you know, from... Uh, you know, 747s and glide tests and all this other kind of stuff. And I'm going, the Enterprise. They may, oh, we're on. We're, here we go. Then what happened? You had the space shuttle in the 70s. Then you had the space shuttle in the 80s. You had the space shuttle in the 90s. You had the space shuttle in the 2000s. Then it hit 2010. And finally, they retired it. But um, that was innovation on government. Decades and decades, you can say that, decades and decades of the same spacecraft that was, are you kidding me? And it was to be reusable, bring the cost down, uh, make space accessible, and uh, the highest it went was low Earth orbit. So I'm, I was disappointed. I was always disappointed. And I wanted to make sure that when it finally broke out, which in my estimation, it was always going to. So when we started seeing the private sector start getting involved, we're like, about freaking time. And there's going to be a, a, a lot of innovation has already happened. And if you haven't been paying attention, you know, hopefully this show will give you a, a little bit of insight into what's possible and what's coming. I think we'll do uh, more of these shows, kind of give you an idea where we're going. The other issue that we're going to make sure we bring up is artificial intelligence. I don't think people understand how powerful this is and what it means for humanity and what it means for the future and your children and grandchildren and how it's going to be. It's going to have bad actors and good. It's going to be a, you know, the printing press. 
you know, impact. It's going to be the integrated circuit impact. It's going to be access to information online impact. It's going to be the impact of like uh, 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 broadband and and video on the internet and so on. Because I remember Freedom's Phoenix is the logo is uh, various different logos that we have. The original is the Phoenix bird coming from the ashes of Lady Liberty's torch. That is the official Freedom's Phoenix logo. The reason was back in the mid nineties, ninety six or so, we had this concept in our mind that when broadband hit the internet, when video hit the internet, we were launching Freedom's Phoenix. So that took uh, let's see, like nine years later. So we knew what was coming, and of course we got criticism. Broadband, uh, uh, video hitting the internet, you dumb kid. That'll never happen. You'll never, never, never. I can't keep track of how many times I told never stuff's going to happen that happened. But the um, having video capability in the hands of the people was like giving people a, a printing press, giving people a fax machine, giving people access to the internet via group chats, bulletin boards, uh, uh, being able to communicate with anyone on the planet instantaneously, then you had the ability to send value, to send money, to do cryptocurrency. All of these things, stuff that has been talked about for a long time ago. I remember in 1988, I think it was about 1988, there was an article written from crossbows to cryptography. And what it was about was, of course, the king limited access to crossbows to the peasants because then they could just pull the crossbow out from the straw in their uh, ox cart and, you know, boom, uh, bolt goes through the chest of the armed knight and uh, go back to plowing. You know, no, 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 can't have that. You're not able to defend against the king's men. Well, AI, the Internet, encryption, all this is kind of the same thing. They want to have monopoly of that technology and if they can't have a monopoly on it they want to have control and regulations of it so this has been the trend since forever from crossbows to cryptography you read that and you can see where our mindset was even in the early days i'm in early 30s you know reading this stuff and we'd publish it in our newspapers that we had at the time and everything so people could understand why we understand see my thing is is i don't want to I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm just trying to make sure you understand why I'm so convinced. This is the data points. This is the observations. These are the tech. These are the people. These are the things, the circumstances around the world that will create what we're thinking is going to happen. And are you prepared for it? And what is preparation to recognize when it's being used against your freedom, your individual rights, your your best interests. It's not because they, them, those, they're not doing it for you. You know, they may say they are, but liars. So we want to make sure that you have this understanding. Now, over the next week or two, I'm going to have uh, some artificial intelligence guests come on and explain, you know, why we should be concerned and why we need to be diligent and why we need to have a little higher understanding of what's go on, going on and how to use these tools for an expansion of our own individual freedom. I, I don't have a problem with artificial intelligence as long as it's uh, mine. 
I want Jarvis, like Tony Stark and, you know, the Avengers. I want Jarvis, my own intelligence that belongs to me, that I create, make it, do whatever, and we be buds. Not Alexa. Not to where it's surveilling everything that I do and creating uh, whatever it is to influence me because that is what the problem is. And it's one of the things that, you know, a lot of uh, warners warning us of what's happening with artificial intelligence. Like I remember Elon Musk saying, you know, the threat with artificial intelligence is how convincing it can be. It's going to convince you of whatever it wants you to think, what it wants you to do, what you think uh, should be important, what to be afraid of, what to support. And it's going to have a convincing argument for every single individual. You'll have your own operating system that will be there to convince you. Watch the movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix and the voice of the computer operating system became his girlfriend, uh, Scarlett Johansson. I mean, she she even sounds good just by voice. Now, you watch that and you kind of get an idea just how susceptible we are to this. There's plenty of Black Mirror episodes and Twilight Zones and all kinds of dystopian books that have been written decades and decades ago, hell, a century ago. So this is not anything new. People have been thinking about this stuff for a long time. And one of those have been, a lot of times, libertarians. We think in terms of principle. We think in terms of what's a seed to where this is going to benefit us or them. So that's why we focus on this stuff. And hopefully you get a little bit of understanding of the future that's coming and how we can benefit from it. But there's also things to worry about. And for those of you that have a great deal of interest in the future, go to freedomsphoenix.com. Near the top right of the page, you'll see a search engine bar in there. You can, uh, anything, space travel exploration, artificial intelligence, energy innovations, anything. Now, on the orange navigation bar that goes across the top, uh, near the top, you'll see more news and archives. The second selection across that bar and archives, which is archives, but uh, anarchist archives. But you go into there and you'll see a drop down that goes contents by subject. Go look at the subjects that are available energy, space travel, exploration, artificial intelligence, robots, all kinds of stuff. And it's 600,000 articles over the past 17 years that we've done. Enjoy. More with Jim Cantrell right now. Well, you know, a disposable rocket, uh, uh, was it Daytona or whatever it was, the first one that you got? Um, yep, Daytona. That is, um, if it's going to be expendable, how much does it cost to make it? I mean, it, I saw, what was it, $4 million a launch? I mean, what are you, yeah. extruding them out of an extruder with aluminum or something? I mean, how are you making them? Yeah, yeah. No, our, our first rocket cost less than $4 million, our very first one. And it has nine engines on the first stage. We have a upgrade to a single engine, a bigger single engine later. That saves us a million and a half on the cost. So we, we think we can get to roughly 50% profit margins, gross profit margins on these rockets at, at, a, at a price that beats SpaceX. So, so, you know, how do we do it? Well, the engines are fairly inexpensive from the supplier. I have 10 of them sitting on my uh, floor 
at the shop. And uh, in fact, they're, they're on a prototype rocket right now. So we got something that looks like a rocket sitting there with, with nine of these engines. Uh, so, so that stuff's all real and, uh, they've been qualified. The tanks themselves are aluminum rather than the last time we were doing this. We had you know, composites and that, that was due to some, some of the way the engines were, were built. We had to have composite tanks. This, this way, simple aluminum tanks. We have a robotic welder. We can crank a single tank out in about, uh, three days. And we think we can get that down to like about three hours, you know, when we get sufficient experience with it. And, uh, it just doesn't cost that much money in the material. And then, uh, like the avionics and software we licensed from NASA for $20,000. They had a program that didn't uh, ever fly and they were looking to license all that intellectual property out. So we bought it and, uh, and, uh, we use that. So that's some of the reason we save so much money. We've, we've gotten to this point in, in the development for about $30 million and that's 10 to 50 times less than all of our peers in the business. And uh, it, it, it shocks people when they hear it. We're only 28 people, Ernie, and uh, but we're the right 28 people. And yeah, it doesn't take more. I, I, I tell you this, one of, my, one of my sons is, he's head whippy-dippy operations man, whatever, of uh, a company that makes the robots, that makes the silicon chips for Intel. Okay, so big fact, they can't make enough. They can't make, and he warned them a couple of years ago. He's going, look, man, your sales force is selling stuff we can't make. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're you're taking in the commissions, but who's going to make it? I mean, the world was short. So he goes, you got it, you got it. So finally, they just let him. He's one, of, you know, like your son. He's a genius guy. So he just goes in, designed the entire factory south of South Mountain, there, you know, south of Phoenix, and um, he. I stopped by there just a couple of weeks ago as a six-hour layover coming from Washington to Maine, and he gave me a tour of the factory. They just started putting all the robots in. All the raw material goes in in these cages-like thing, and it goes in like a you know a four-story Pez dispenser, and it comes out, and it's just laser cut, dude, cut, boom, 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 done. And I go. You wow. have that kind of assembly line making a you know rocket a day. I mean, I'm just going, holy crap! The robots and the automation is yeah. there. Yeah. Yep, that's it. it. It's there, and it's not that expensive. And we we don't think at least to get to maybe a hundred a year, we don't even need robotics. I mean, our welding is robotic, and they're they're much better than than hand welders. But uh, you know. That, that that is sort of the beginning of, of, of the whole process. And, uh, you know, with time, we'll get better at it and we'll get the processes down. And it just, it's, it's not that hard to make these things. There's no new technology that needs to be developed. The mentality has to change. And the mentality has to change from, gee whiz, look at this cool thing called a rocket, to this is like an airplane. So Yeah, it's a great silo. I mean, how hard is this? You know, uh, well, just I want to add this one thing. I apologize. I want to add just one thing. He had a frame. It was complicated, whatever. It doesn't matter. It took two, three guys, two days to make that the robot does in 45 minutes. That's right. the difference. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Well, I mean, our, our, our future as humans is not to be laborers necessarily, even though many of us, myself included, enjoy the labor, right? We're not efficient at it. Machines are much more efficient at it. 
So you know, I I find these uh, these futuristic movies, you know, the, the talking about the robots taking over to be more realistic, I think, than most people think. People worry about AI taking over. Yeah, I, I think we've got a robotic future in front of us. Hey, I just want to be able to own the robot and have it go work for me. Right. right. Well, <laughs> build my rocket. Think, think about where we've we've come in a hundred years, Ernie. You know, I mean, the amount of. Uh, tools and and labor saving devices machines and that we have it's amazing right and uh this was an era before us that where our forefathers and grandfathers used you know uh, horses and mules to plow the fields and you know, okay before you go i know you're tight on time but i want you i want you to you know inspire us what is the future in just a few years in your industry i mean it's going to be you know all of a sudden i'm going to be you know, uh, me and my wife get on the top and go for a quick ride of whatever the hell. I mean, you know what? You know what? What are we looking at? Are you going to be able to send people you know, capsules and people go to stations? I mean, you're looking at yeah. you landing on what? I mean, give give me you know what you really legitimately think is yeah. likely. So, so the analogy I use, Ernie, it's a good question. Uh, is if you were 500 years ago standing on the shores of Spain, you'd watch the Spanish galleons take off, and you, you wouldn't necessarily know what the hell they were doing, and, but they'd come back loaded with gold, right? And 500 years ago, nobody, absolutely nobody that existed then would have an idea of what the new world would be today. And uh, I'm sitting here in northern Utah in, in what was the Wild West, right? And I'm surrounded by billions of dollars of homes already, and uh, n- nobody imagined what this is. Space is the same thing. We just, we're not smart enough to know what it will be in 500 years. I can tell you, though, in the near term, probably in my lifetime, what you're going to see is, is you know, this the satellite industry is 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 the real deal. It's, it's already $450 billion a year industry. That's bigger than the automotive industry, by the way. And about two-thirds of that is the application side. So, you know, you're getting satellite radio, you're getting... TV, you're getting communications. You don't even know go through space, and and that's the majority of the money that's that's being spent in in space. That will continue to grow. It will be be probably within ten years two trillion or or more uh, in in revenue. So it'll be one of the major dominant uh, industries in in the world, and the U.S. is the leader in that. So this is the good news for the U.S. Uh, the the other side of it is you know you'll start to see humans. Private humans going into space more and more, and right now we see that, but it, it's it's going to really pick up. And uh, you know, right now it's for billionaires and millionaires only, uh, but mostly billionaires. And uh, you'll you'll see those price points come down. You'll start to see space stations being built in space. There are already several uh, private companies, and I know most of them who are uh, doing this. And you know, we're looking at you know a, a future version of our vehicle that take two people up you know at a very low cost to to space destination but but you know i think within 30 years you're going to start to see what bezos really has in mind which is turning earth into the recreational area and turning space into the industrial area and his idea is you know do as much of the manufacturing as you can in space and uh you you preserve earth for living and you know that might be unrealistic, but it's a nice philosophy, and I, start, I think you'll start to see that happen. I think in twenty years or less, probably closer to ten, you'll see SpaceX putting the first humans on Mars. And uh, the most famous person that that'll ever exist has not been born yet, and that's that first person that'll be born on another planet, likely Mars. 
and we don't know what their name is, where they come from, but that is going to be by far the most famous human being ever. And uh, that'll that'll probably happen, you know, in my lifetime. I hope it does. And where it goes from there, we just don't know. You know, I mean, if you like science fiction, uh, you know, the Space Odyssey. I, I love that movie. It's admittedly old, but it was a great movie. And I think it I think it's not a bad a bad view. They just the time frame was way off. You know, by two thousand one, because government was in the way. Sons of well, that's true. Ooh. You know, I, I I talk about in my book. I talk about the oh yeah, your book. Tell us about your book. Yeah. yeah, I wrote a book called uh, Breaking All the Rules, and it's the inside story of the new space race, and it's how this all happened. This didn't happen in a vacuum. It didn't happen because Elon Musk showed up, you know, one day. Yeah, and, and my book's really sort of centered around the Elon Musk part of the story, but he stepped into a situation where there was many of us who were discontented with the way the government was acting as stewards of the space uh, exploration and, and Apollo you know, it was a promise that we all thought we would be on Mars by the time I was 20 years old. And hell, we never even went back to the moon. So many of us were just plain pissed off. And uh, we decided to steal that mantle from the government and go do it ourselves. And, uh, you know, we were considered crazies and lunatics, and maybe we are still. But, uh, you know, that it was that discontent and that energy that Elon stepped into with, with you know, with his money and more than just his money, you know, his his uh, his entrepreneurial skills and his his never give up drive, you know, and then that's what made it what it is today. And there will be others that come along that fuel this, but you know, this was the spark that uh, that created this new space revolution, and it's just beginning. And uh, so I I felt very uh, uh, compelled to write that book to cover what that history was and make sure that you know it didn't get written by somebody who was not there because. Uh, there's a lot of people that have written about that, and they, right. they all get it wrong. So okay, wait, 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 wait. Where do I get this book? Can I go buy it right now? Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's Kindle, hardback, paperback. Amazon, breaking all the yep. rules, right? Yep. We've got an audio book coming. Yeah, it's probably a few months out. Um, you can also get a signed copy on my website, jimkentrell.com, if you want to order it there. Well, then tell me, man, don't be making oh, – all right. So where where am I going to find it? You know, where I can get a signed copy? At jimcantrell.com. Jimcantrell.com. All right. Let's see. About Jim. Book, 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 book. Where's the book? Yeah, I go about the book. There's his on Twitter. Jim can become Jim. Jim. All right, man. Don't tease me. You know, where's the book? <laughs> oh, where do I go? Media. Yeah, Amazon.com. I'm going to freaking, you know, the, I get a signed copy at Amazon. I'm going to communicate privately no. with you. We'll get it taken care of. Yeah, I'll, I'll get you a signed copy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll work it out because I. Just give me I, your mailing address. Because yeah. I want. All right. We'll, we'll do it. You deserve one. Yeah. Yeah. I thank you. I think so, but you know, I was willing to pay for it because I I want to get it. This this is okay. awesome. I know you got to go. You got a dinner engagement, but thanks for 
you know, hanging with us and spending time with it. You know, and we talked about this, you know, before that we were going to uh, do this about now. It's been a couple of weeks before, so I've been kind of, you know, on pins and needles wanting to hear all kinds. So, what's the the big surprise that you can leave me with? That you know, you you know, you you I don't know. You got, you got a movie deal with aliens or something? I mean, you know what 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 what's going on that you know nobody else knows with the company and what's happening? Come on, give me something, man. Yeah, we're we're about to raise or finish uh, raising sixty million dollars, so that'll that'll be news here pretty shortly, and uh, we'll be be on track to making uh, orbit by by a year from then. Boom, boom, Jim Cantrell, Phantom Space. Dot com is that where they're going to get all the update and everything? Phantomspace dot com. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. We should have a new website coming up pretty soon. Yeah, you know, Jim. Thanks. Thanks for you know coming on and hanging with us. You know, I really appreciate you know you being able to you know kind of share with us and let us know what's up because this is this is this is exciting times for us and I really appreciate it. Jim Cantrell, Phantomspace dot com. Peace, brother. Thank you. Eleutheromania, the insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Let us make them remember. We are not special guest, Mr. David Ridley. Now, the Ridley Report was one of the early activists. Uh, we got, uh, you know, in the street, show you what's up kind of people back in, God, the mid-2000s or something. This was, uh, you know, when the Free State Project first started and uh, somebody needed to say something about something, bad guys being bad. David Ridley was there with his little, uh, I don't know what kind of webcam it was. But it was back in the day when they had... Um, uh, magnetic tape 
I mean, you know, it was one of those back in the day before digital and everything. And uh, and YouTube had just started. And so this is, so I guess it had to be 05, 06, 07, early days. What, what, what year was it you started, David? Uh, I started my YouTube channel in 07. So this would, did you, after, yeah, so I had to be during the Ron Paul Revolution years. And um, so it was, talk, we're, He's going to resurrect this style, you know, this kind of stuff that's going on. And, I, and and it needs to be because big tech has just went all censorship and deplatformed and all that. So, David, I saw a post, a note, or somehow it made it to me that David was restarting the Ridley Report or kind of that kind of activism in the street, you know, challenge the man. And, um, and I go, oh, that's what definitely that's what needs to come back. And I wanted to talk about it. But go ahead and explain to the audience what it was that you originally were doing back in 07 for years. Uh, well, in 07, I started the Ridley Report. But it's a little bit complicated because the Ridley Report is actually what interrupted some of the other promising stuff that we were doing earlier on. That It's the earlier stuff that we're kind of trying to resurrect right now. But, uh, but yeah, the Ridley Report was basically this idea of just sort of gonzo journalism, uh, go out there and ambush interview politicians or uh, film uh, stuff that's going on with the Ron Paul movement of in, in, initially uh, stuff like that and uh, just you know a little bit of alternate alternate media so what, what is it that you think that supplanted you going well before we used to what yeah so before YouTube started kind of sucking all the air out of the room <laughs> we were doing we were doing we were we were leveraging our web forums our street activism uh politics and stuff like that uh in in new hampshire i moved to new hampshire in 04 so there's this three-year period before i started doing these videos uh where we had to do other stuff right because we didn't really youtube wasn't really as up and running at first and i didn't have a camera at first so we this other thing that we did that i that i always go back to and think maybe we should you know this is a really this is a really promising path of activism that kind of got overshadowed and that was what we, we, we uh, i call it nhfree.com activism which basically means uh, that the textbook version of this would be uh keep an eye on the mainstream press articles as soon as you see one uh where the government's abusing some individual um then go to the government offices to take people take signs go to their meetings go to write letters to the editor and just make a focus on that one person that they victimized uh, in sort of a textbook case, you know, like like the like the one in 05, in early 05 was like a, they came after this old lady for having a kitchen, in, you know, or like a having a sink in the wrong room or something like that. And, um, uh, you know, we just kind of made the tried to make the bureaucrats lives a little bit uh, politically uncomfortable. We had uh, how we did it. It was um, why we wanted to be able to do uh, T-shirts right away or you know, have an outlet in the media and do signs and that kind of stuff. Because what happened was it was something that uh, happened in the news. If you could do it that day, you know, then you would be able to counter it that day. It was speed. It was, you know, guerrilla activism, you know, to where we could really, you know, get something up and done right then, not later. And I wanted to uh, kind of that's kind of what you're talking about, what you were doing. And, you know, tell me about it. You know, how you would um, uh, inject yourself into the process. So tell me about how you do that. Uh, so, 
the way this played out, so it was Hampton, New Hampshire, where the government of Hampton, uh, there, there was a media article in the mainstream press. I think it was their local, the local media reported that the, the, the Hampton government was coming after an old lady over a sink, right? Um, and so somebody, somebody posted, we had the NHfree.com forums back in those days. They were just getting spun up. And they, they're still out there. They're just not really very active right now. Uh, but but if you go to any if if you in 2005 if you went to nhfree.com you would see a lot of traffic about this incident. So within a week, you know, people had organized a demonstration. It wasn't the same day; it would have been better, I guess. But uh, they'd organized a demonstration against the town of Hampton, and then uh, you know a few days later, uh, we went to their their public meeting where they were discussing. Uh, their persecution of this lady, and so we, you know, a lot of us went and spoke. A state rep got involved and started speaking, you know, at their meetings. And uh, local people in Hampton started kind of getting signed on with nhfree.com. We got good friends out of it. Um, and uh, Myr- Myrtle Woodward was her her name. She was ninety, I think, so she's probably long long past. Um, and um, uh, so that the media, since they had already covered this, right, they kind of had to keep covering it. And since we were backing them up, in a sense, we were we were kind of supporting the media's reporting on this, right? Uh, so the media was turned into an ally instead of an enemy. Uh, and so, from a PR standpoint, we just got a lot of a lot of traction and attention. Um, but we didn't we didn't we didn't hit on so many cylinders when it comes to we didn't do so well when it comes to making the government do everything we want. Right. Like we, we couldn't make the town of Hampton do exactly what we wanted. But I think they were just ca- it just caused them to be more cautious in their handling of the Woodwards from then on. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, yeah, somebody's watching, you know, they tend to, you know, want to behave a little bit better You know, put cameras on them. They, that was before they were wearing body cams, but you had cameras on. That was one thing about New Hampshire. They really went after you guys filming. They did not like that. In fact, I remember uh, Carla Garrick uh, had her camera up. I'm filming, and her phone was dead or something. She didn't even do it, and they tried to prosecute her for it, and she got a settlement out of it. And um, so this is something that if you don't exercise rights that you have or even it's legal – then you don't get them. So that's one thing, you know, David Ridley, the Ridley Report and David's efforts, it was interesting to see how you exercise what you can do, and that's how you got your right to do it, because if you don't do it, you can't do it, you know? So it it was very interesting. I'm glad that you did that. Well, what's your plan for the, if you wanted to resurrect something, a new style, a new thing, a new something, what's up? So I've I've, uh, I've acquired the nhfree.com URL. It was kind of in disuse. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, now active again. And did I lose you, Dave? You there? Oh, how how long ago did you lose me? About <laughs> about five seconds. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. So yeah, uh, there. Uh, where where was I? We were talking. Oh yeah. So the the first step was to reacquire the nhfree.com URL, which I've I've got. I own that now, and uh, put, uh, so uh, and then the next step I've taken is to start paying attention to the to the mainstream press reports and looking for the perfect storm, right? Where the government has 
obviously overstepped its bounds so much that even the mainstream press is freaking out about it a little bit. And then we follow up on the concerns raised by the mainstream press by putting bodies on the ground uh, in front, you know, <laughs> living bodies holding signs on the ground in front of, uh, the, you know, the bureaucrats' offices, maybe going to the bureaucrats' meetings. Re- recreate what we did in 2005 uh, instead of taking, like, again, like, after 2005, YouTube came along, and I don't know about everybody else, but I just got focused on doing stuff by myself with YouTube, right? Because I could just go, I could be a one-man army with with a camera, uh, and you'd get thousands and thousands of hits on all different things that would happen to me. And I didn't need people. I didn't need other protesters or anything like that. So I didn't, I, I just walked away from that whole concept of, of the nhfree.com activism, you know, where we, where we were doing stuff with a lot of people, right? Uh, I was just doing it by myself. And that lasted for 10 years. Uh, and I always wondered, you know, what would have happened if YouTube hadn't come along, and, you know, and we had maybe followed that 2005 path of activism where we're, where we're, we're following that, that protocol that I just outlined, you know, where we're bothering the bureaucrats uh, uh, with with people with just with people with signs going to meetings and stuff like that, uh, you know maybe in some in support of some old lady. So the idea right now is to go back. Now that we've kind of lost YouTube, what if we do, what if we go ahead and go back to, to doing what we did in two thousand five, recreate that, see if it, see if that still works, even though YouTube doesn't. Well, it, define works. What are you what are you talking about? So YouTube worked in the sense that. Um, uh, you know, but between 2005 and 2020, YouTube worked pretty well. You could you could film your interactions with bureaucrats and hold them accountable by filming them and then sharing it with thousands and thousands of people. And it was easy to do that. Right. It got more difficult over time as YouTube censorship kicked in. And now when I upload a video, uh, they, they threaten me. They threaten to take down all my videos. Because I uploaded a video and they don't like it. It had the word COVID in it or something like that. I mean, I'm not even a, I'm not even a COVID denier, right? Um, so you, we've lost YouTube, uh, but we we've lost this ability to get the word out about what we're doing. So it's it's so important for free staters to be able to spread the word that we we have something here in New Hampshire that's working and make sure that that the thousands of people are hearing about it, each of us uh, ideally. We can't do that as easily anymore because the mainstream press is more bought than they used to be. YouTube's not functioning properly anymore. Uh, Twitter went through a lot of problems. Uh, it's well, hard do to you get have a platform? Out. Are you going to create your own? We've been for years. You know me. I've been. You know, hell no. I could see where this was going. So we created our own kind of as never go away thing. But you know, to get the social media uh, bump or to you know where go where the people are i'm like yeah well i want to go where the people that actually do stuff are i don't give a crap about the other stuff but um do you have a favorite one are you going x are you going you know bastion or Cordal's coming or uh ipf or i mean you know what are you thinking the idea right now is to sort of hijack the mainstream press to do our work for us. Uh, not, you know, in a, not in an adversarial way, but it's just kind of more like hitching a ride. Uh, I, I think I think uh, hitchhiking is probably a better word for it. Um, kind of like we did in 2005 because we didn't have our own 
big video media in 2005, and yet we were able to get a lot of traction by following up on mainstream press reports, right? So that's what I want to try to do again, follow up on mainstream press reports, see if we can see if we can make that activism still work when YouTube doesn't. Okay. Do they need you? I mean, they're like, YouTube won't do them. Okay, we will cover David because somebody please read us. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering, explain when you say use the media. I mean, I can give, you know, what we did back in the day, but I want you to kind of define what you're hoping to accomplish in your method. Go ahead and repeat that for them. Well, uh, I would like to I'd like to accomplish something similar to what we did in 2005. If you go to nhfree.com, you'll see the history there of how it actually played out in 2005. And you'll see the media coverage that we archived at the time. Uh, what we've done more recently in terms of kind of hitching well, a ride to the I, press. I'm or, to do uh, HampshireExit.us or what, where do you want me to go to see this? I'm sorry. Did I say? Did I say NH, uh, nhfree.com is what I meant to say. Is where is where you'll see the history of how this played out in 2005. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. I I just put yeah. up what you said. All right. So so that has that has the details. Uh, but for those who aren't 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 on the internet right now, the what happened was we raised heck and just generated a lot of publicity and made it harder for the government to crack down on zoning violations. Essentially. Uh, just by just by drawing the negative attention to them. Now, the way we did that was we operated through the mainstream press. We made them an ally, essentially, by following up on news they had already raised concerns over. And it worked very well. Over time, we created our own media and kind of wandered off doing other things. We, I want to revisit that, that kind of 2005 activism where we do something that the media kind of has to report on. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, they have to. I mean, they don't have to, but I mean, you know, they they usually do on this kind of stuff. So I, I'm I'm wanting to know. Uh, all right, let me give you an example. I I feel you. Um, as young activists, well, you know, in my 30s, the early 30s, when we were doing it in Arizona, whenever there was some story about some of the stupid crap that they do or something, now we would. You know, be protest. It's like during COVID. You know, that's what the Love Bus Liberty Tour is all about. We resurrected this. You have sign making production underneath the bus with a bunch of supplies, and there's some uh, retail outlet or restaurant or gym or something in the rural area that the county was going after them. And we got a clipboard and this available gun, and you have to and you can't and always. And when they come in and they said, "No, we're not doing it," you know, where was the support? There was nobody there visual to do anything. Then, of course, um, the law enforcement or the you know county health department or something would make a big announcement and they'd get a story in it and you'd only get that side. And maybe they'd go talk to the person one time, but you're in violation of, and don't you love grandma? Well, there was nothing in support. There were no signs. There was no um, opposition. So we would show up and we would just, you know, be buttheads about it, make a bunch of signs, put them all up. And then all of a sudden, boom, just like with the Levolution, just like with a lot of stuff that we did in the 90s, that we were forcing the the news to at least say, oh, well, these 
ne'er-do-wells are doing ne'er-do-well stuff with their ne'er-do-well signs. What I didn't care if they say nice things or not, just as long as they say it, you know? So yeah, yeah. It, it's just coverage that there is some opposition. There is another side. There is someone in support of the people being abused by government. And when you have these situations and you you show up and you're with a sign or you got 15 people saying this about that, writing letters to the editor and all that, and it kind of fell out of favor because nobody reads the newspaper anymore. You know, nobody cared. The local stations, everybody's on the Internet. And then the Internet, they shut you down there, so then where do you go? You know, but what I have always and what we demonstrated during COVID with the Love Bus Liberty Tour, we were you know, definitely against mandates of vaccines. That was, I wasn't secret about that. You know, signs like, let me see your smile and Liberty wears no mask and support first responders who, you know, that say, you know, um, no to mandatory shots, that kind of stuff. And as we did did that it demonstrated that there was some activism on the street now of course they didn't they used big tech and twitter facebook whatever and that's what's coming out in congress now that they colluded that they definitely had it out for that and made sure that it didn't go viral that it wasn't which is what ridley report was all about in the liberty community david was out there doing this kind of thing and signs and so on it was awesome you know, we, it was very inspiring to other people that somebody was in opposition to this. So when I saw that you guys were resurrecting this type of activism, that's why I wanted to talk to you, because I know you can't censor a sign. You put on a yep. freeway overpass on the side, you got a dozen whatever in a small town or whatever, and it's like, uh, <clears throat> say hello to my little friend, my video camera. So <laughs> this is, um, yeah. that's what, well, I, what I... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, that's why I wanted to talk, and that's what I, you know, with you, because I wanted to demonstrate my clairvoyance of how smart I am, is that when you start doing this, you're going to get this, what they called earned media, you know, that you have, because, you know, especially newspaper now, I don't know what that, they'll, I didn't care that they'd say, like, five adjectives before my name, just as long as they say it, you know, what the issue was. Because it always went like this in the 90s when I, you know, when I was David, you know. It goes, tie-dye-wearing, dope-smoking, gun-toting, libertarian Ernest Hancock said this about that. And as years went by, they started dropping off the adjectives. (laughs) It was just libertarian, you know, Ernie says or something. But... I didn't care. I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know. In fact, I did want to support that we wanted to do other drug war. I did want to support that, you know, um, uh, gun rights matter. I did want to support, you know, so you can say that all you want. In fact, it was the reporters that understood. They were doing that just to get it in the paper, get past the editors, and they knew I didn't give a crap. They just, you know, wanted to get the issue out like I did. So as time went on, those reporters got called out. You know, they, hey, hey, you're you're abusing our system that was supposed to abuse the people, and you abused us, so you're fired. You know, that kind of thing. So when you yeah. started talking about bringing this type of activism back, when there was an issue that got reported and somebody got abused, they aren't allowed to build on their land, they got to hook up to the you know municipal water fluoride system, and they're not allowed to do their well anymore, or they you know have to get new licenses for blah 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 they made up, or taxes going up, or more whatever the heck it is, and you know you would have this 
ability, this experience to bring attention to it and the argument that would be the libertarian or liberty-oriented freedom, leave-me-aloneist, voluntarist, you know, anarchist argument of whatever. So I know what's going to happen. When you do this, you'll start getting this kind of press again. Now, what happens with that, I have no idea. But my thing is, General public opinion is what's going to change things. It's worked in New Hampshire. It's worked around the country. It's worked with, you know, hell, 9-11, the economic crash, you know, the freaking whatever the hell is going on now, COVID. They wake up these people, and you have a demonstration of people in opposition to whatever policy or the crap that they're doing. And then you also can expose how controlled the lamestream media is and now big tech. So then when you get Twitter goes X and Elon, whatever the heck he's doing, I don't don't care. But uh, because I'm not counting on any of these guys, we're doing all our own stuff. But, you know, this is become common knowledge now. General public opinion is if you want to know the truth, it's not going to be from the official, you know, announcement of who gives a crap. You see my point? Now I've been happy lately thinking about... The Shire Free Church offers a sanctuary to those seeking an escape from state churches. The Shire Free Church is an interfaith, diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs. As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church, you are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people. We want to learn from each other. What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace, love, and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual. The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com. That's church.shiresociety.com. Freedom's the answer. What's the question? You're listening to Ernest Hancock. This hour, Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Let's talk about your positive experiences using Dash. Dash has transaction fees that are less than one cent. Dash transactions are instant, irreversible, and are protected from 51% attacks by its chain locks technology. Dash is the world's first decentralized autonomous organization. BitRefill allows for discounted purchases at national retailers. We want to thank Dash Dow for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash Dash.org is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use. Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Welcome back to Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, here on the Free Talk Live Network. You know, one thing I, I wanted to make sure that we continue our conversation with David Ridley, the Ridley Report from back in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, when you had the real street activists that began using YouTube, 
began using video and then how that had to be attacked. And we're going back old school to earned media in the streets. And David Ridley, when he announced that he was doing that, I'm like, oh, I know where this is going. And now you will, too. More with David Ridley right now. Well, what matters here the most is that when you do this kind of activism in New Hampshire, then the press coverage comes with an automatic implied action item, and that is move to New Hampshire. And that's what people, of course, have been doing by their thousands now, and we get more and more activists coming in. So it's not like doing this in Arizona or Texas or something like that where we have to convince the local population. We just have to convince the hundreds of thousands of people that are following us around the country, uh, uh, following our, the news about us around the, uh, around the country and to some extent around the world. We just have to convince more of them to move. We, we, don't, need, we don't have to win any arguments. Yeah. Well, and we, how- we, 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 convince them, we convince them to move by showing that we're active. And, of course, that's not very difficult because, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff already going on in New Hampshire. Right? It's like there was the, the, just the other day the Libertarian Party did something cool in front of the Manchester Police Department. So it, it's, it's, not, it's nowhere near just me. I'm just such a, I'm just such a microscope. I'm, I'm such, a, I'm such a, uh, a microbe compared to the, the overall uh, sweep of things in New Hampshire that have been happening. Well, you know, you well known in the Free State Project, the Liberty Community in New Hampshire. It's not like they don't remember or know David. You know, they were, you know, the the report that you did and stuff was very inspiring to a lot of people. And you wanted to resurrect that because why? Well, yeah, I do want to resurrect the Ridley Report when the stars align. Right now, I'm doing other things like this nhfree.com stuff. This. Uh, this street activism, but the Ridley report is more like, you know, gonzo journalism. And that will come back online probably when there is a proper place to put the videos right now. Uh, I can put up a video and I can only get 200 hits. Uh, when I put up a video, so it's not worth putting up a video. Uh, when I, which was uh, their I, plan? I, <laughs> I beg your pardon. Which was their plan? You know, yeah, exactly. But th- that, but th- this will go in cycles. At some point, someone will come up with a platform where you do get a lot of hits on your videos, or someone will invite me to put my videos on their platform. Uh, and that that's one thing that I've been requesting. I've, I've been putting out requests to the public for that. And when I get an answer, you know, when someone says, yeah, you know what, why don't you just put your videos on our platform and you, you, you should be able to get a couple thousand hits. That's when I can restart the Ridley Report. Yeah, well, I mean, do you have a platform that you're kind of eyeballing for doing that, or I mean, what are you waiting on? Well, I mean, I, I could put, I could put, uh, I mean, look, Free State Live would probably be a good one, and I think I have reached out to them, and we were talking about it a little bit. Uh, Joa's website, uh, the uh, Breaking the Flaw on on YouTube, that would possibly be an option, but I, I think he may not have enough hits to make this work. Uh, I just I need I need some I, I'm not going to cross the state without a vehicle <laughs> to do to get 200 hits right because I don't even own a car so it's very difficult for me to get anywhere um, and um, uh, and and shoot a video and and then when I come home and upload it and it doesn't get any, any hits to speak of it's really that's not the active that that's that's the universe telling me I should be doing some more effective type of activism than that so that's why I've been doing all these other things over the last few years and we have done many things that have worked since uh, since 2019 since 2020 
but what, what what I have not been able to do is resurrect the Ridley report under current conditions. It's it's it, it, it's like being a, you want to be like Sun Tzu said. You don't want to be a glacier trying to push all the rocks forward. You want to be water and go around the rocks. Do what works. Yeah, I'm um, one, three, five. Just a second. I'm trying to pull up your because I don't think your forge going to the um, Shire Society. Let me try this. No. All right. Well, something because it, it, it works on my um, my laptop, but it's not working on this up here, and I'm afraid to reset the internet. I lose you. <laughs> but uh, I so show you, it. You mean you, what? What's what's not working? Nhfree.com. No, it is, but it's not on this computer up here. I, I don't want to. We had enough problems with the, you know, connection okay. audio. I don't want to mess with it. But the um, and and by the way, by the way, your viewers, uh, your viewers and listeners who are not in New Hampshire and can't, you know, they can't immediately get here or whatever. There is actually something easy they can do from wherever they are that would be pretty powerful for us. And that is just to just to uh, to hop on the web forum at nhfree.com, just just to join the web forum there um and uh can converse with us and watch what we're doing that's actually very powerful and that that is spinning back up it's getting more and more activity and we're kind of seeing again the, the kind of 2003 2004 uh activism where you had a lot of people on a web forum as opposed to a lot of people on youtube or facebook and you 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 got really good synergy uh with web forums back in those days so that seems to be coming back to some extent yeah, no, there's a lot. Well, are you familiar at all with uh, Bastion? Does that ring a bell to you? No. Um, can you get a piece of paper and a pen? I want to give you some resources. Yeah, I got my laptop open here. Let me get it spun up, and I can write this down. And yeah, maybe so can your readers. Well, this was the things that we've done because we understood this was coming a long time ago. You know, that's what Freedom's Phoenix was all about. You know, it was the alternative getting out from under there or whatever. And uh, why we did the Love Bus Liberty Tour. I knew they were going to. You think censorship's bad now? Wait until it's, uh, you know, World War Three in the 2024 election. So it's going to be war and 24. And it, it, oh, no, it's, man, it's gotten bad, but we're making that. No, it ain't even started yet. All this stuff was to make sure that they get their war the way they want and the election, the 24, the way they want and, you know, the next, you know, pandemic way they want and the next, you know, reset and economic crash and the petrodollar going and all. I mean, this it's coming and you're not going to get anything. Right? You know, so uh, go ahead and write this down. Bastion, B-A-S-T-Y-O-N dot com. Bastion is uh, uncensorable, noted, blah, 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 blah. I've had the guy on, and a lot of us have been, you know, starting to, you know, we made uh, some deals with him and, you know, how to be able to integrate IPFS to what we're doing and all that kind of stuff. Interplanetary file sharing is uh, where files can't be deleted. It's a file that's out there that's on multiple servers. It's when you do a web page, 
it's an, a physical address that's in some server farm or somebody's desk under their desk or something. It's a physical place where they can track where that server is. So, of course, they attack it. Well, what happens is when you have a file that is, you know, replicated all over the place and then a whole bunch of files and an entire web page with a bunch of files, well, that's we've been working on that for years. Now, Derek Slopey of Agorist Hosting, him and Drew Phillips, now have IPFS servers that they have out to contentsafe.co, which is Matt Raymer in um, Malaysia, Philippines, somewhere, that made a business out of content creators like you that you load up one file, they take that, and then he replicates it across all the other uh, big tech, you know, Rumble and BitChute and YouTube, whatever. But it doesn't matter because you promote that one file, it never goes away. So if they do deplatform or won't allow it, it's still available. So all of our stuff, if you go to freemansphoenix.com and you go into any story that's more than 24 hours old, the entire site gets IPFS. So it doesn't matter if they shut down our servers, it's still there. So Bastion nice. kind of works that way. Then you have, yeah, and Brian Becker knows all about this stuff. You know, Brian's got servers, and you should talk to him, you know, and we're. And then uh, New Hampshire. And then you have um, Cordal is coming online, and it's an entire Internet replacement. And the reason is is because we have to bypass the DNS. You know, the, the name that you get, the HTTP, www, whatever, dot, that digital naming system is just a bunch of numbers and they can just flip the switch off and i realized this when i first started doing radio back in 03 when they turned off the entire country of libya you know i was just started doing radio and they just that country's turned off i go whoa you can turn off a country well you can sure as crap turn mine off i'm going nope 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 so that's why I mean, I have YouTube and Facebook and Twitter account, all that kind of crap, but I never use them. You know, somebody will go, Ernie, when we Facebooked you, I go, that was your first problem because I never look, you know. Now, we may put stuff up there and Donna, Dud, whatever, but I never interface. I don't look. I don't care because I know that they are not when it, when you need it the most, when it's Super Bowl time, boom, it's gone. And what you're talking about, what you're doing, they definitely don't want, you know, the Ridley Report again. I guarantee it, but there are other places. Well, that do. you know, it's, that's interesting. It's interesting you say that because actually, the Ridley Report is relatively popular among government people. Uh, <laughs> I, I've had a lot, of, a lot of incidents where cops came over and introduced themselves to me. One of them seemed to think I was the Mahatma. <laughs> there was another one, you know, that like he came up in the middle of a wreck that I was covering, you know, that, that I was in actually. And wanted to introduce himself to me, immediately recognized me. And the, the head U.S. marshal here in, in, in the U.S. actually also, I'm not, the head U.S. marshal in, in Concord uh, used to be Manchester police chief. And I didn't have any idea who he was. He walked up to me, introduced himself to me, and told me that he appreciated what I was doing. Oh, of so course. Maybe some of these, maybe of some of these people are. Individuals, but not institution, not the government itself, not YouTube, not they, them, those, and sure as hell, not Pfizer. I mean, you know, not the WEF. Of course you're going to have individuals that appreciate it and go, I'm just following our guy, Chuck and G. Willikers. I wish I could be more like, you know, you always get those people. You know, screw that. My point is, is that you're not going to... 
you're a victim of your own popularity. As you start to get up, and well, then where do you go? Yep. Oh, this this you know uh, police chief in the small town over here likes me, and they go, we don't care. Yeah. You know. So this is um, there are places. I give you an example. Let me give you this example. Um, you know who Dan Dix is? Press for Truth. No. Dan Dix, Press for Truth. He's always you know he's a Canadian. He's always Bilderbergen, and you know there with Luke Radowski. You know their microphone shoved in people's faces. He just made Trudeau's life a living hell for you know a long time. Well, of course they all got deplatformed, and they used to make fun of me. And I'm going, oh, I'm IPFS. Oh, wait, every time Ernie says IPFS, take a shot of whiskey. We're all going to get wasted. You know that kind of crap. And I go, yeah, you say that now. I tell you what's coming. And then within a year, it happened. And I'm like, you know, Neon, I told you so. My new pronouns now are I told you so, okay? So what happened was Dan Dix went over to Bastion. Well, he's like the rock star. You know, there he's like, you know, I think now they just allowed him to go back on YouTube. I'm not sure how or in what capacity, but he created his uh, profile and his whole new uh, resurrection of Press for Truth over on Bastion. Well, he's they love him long time, made all kinds of um, uh, special attention for him, and he did very well. Well, we had a listeners understood what we were doing. You need to talk. It used to be. Uh, uh, pocket net, pocket coin, but it was a project done by um, some Wall Street Russian guy that, you know, we know where this goes, this sucks, and we're making it all great and wonderful. Anyway, so it's decentralized, and it can't be deleted. Blockchain, you know, it's kind of like the library app, and you know, that kind of crap, and Odyssey, and so on. So, all right, but yeah, so so the question the question then becomes, uh, is it possible to get a relatively large number of viewers on Bastion, and I may go try that. Dan Dix? Man, he's got it rocking and rolling and whatnot. So that's yes. why, you know, the, the, I talked to him at I emceed uh, Narco Poker the last couple of years. And this last year, Dan finally got out of the Canada, first time in three years. And I was talking to him about it. I go, hey, oh, yeah, it's doing well. You know, it's got, but, you know, it depends. See, this is what, you know, I, I want to strangle you a little bit because everybody's going metrics. Yeah, but what's your metrics? How many people the metrics? What's your me- I go, I don't freaking look. I don't care. It doesn't mean anything to me because I don't care about private privacy is you know a big deal and it's cool whatever my thing is public see if you don't have the capacity for whatever file when it goes viral when it gets a lot of hits when it starts you know peaking i'll i'll triple quadruple traffic on freedoms phoenix you know all of a sudden one day boom it explodes what was it it was some video i had up you know freaking three weeks before or a year before or something like that but it's available and that what you need is to have it available. Once you get it to where it's available and it's there, then you do what you're doing and you promote it. You promote what you do. You promote that the Ridley is out there doing some ass whipping and so on. But if you don't have some place where they can access it, it doesn't matter. So what are you going to do? It's always signs. You're waiting for the local newspaper to do it, and you're not even worried about having the file available or the video online. And I go, you know, and you go, well, you know, YouTube might maybe someday. They screw YouTube. You know, to hell with all these guys. No, yeah, and YouTube's not going to – I think they're lost. But what what will happen is, like for instance, in, if we play out – if we re- redo what we did in 2005 and, you know, do some street activism, whatever, we have several guaranteed 
ways of getting publicity through that. We know we can get 200,000 viewers on Free Talk Live or listeners. We know that probably you'll cover us on some of the stuff that we do. Yeah. We know that we've got uh, we've got our web forums. And so even if the mainstream press completely blows it off, it's probably still worth trying. And we can get our own videos even if they only get 200 hits. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I see, I don't want to be like, like Luke. You know, Luke Radowski, we are changed. You know, we're good friends. And he's, you know, well, the metrics. What's your metrics? How's the metrics? The metrics. And I got to say Cornholio instead of COVID or something on YouTube so I don't get whatever the hell. I mean, they're so locked in. It it yeah. it, it, it limits what you can say, how often, yeah, about I, I, what. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how to do that either. My vids, my vids go on BitChute, and they they were going on Odyssey for a while, but I, I just wasn't getting any hits. And so it's there's always some new platform. They say, oh, well, you'll get hits there, and it never works. So how, hopefully Bastion will be different. Well, it doesn't matter. That's not my point. I need to find a place where you have public see, you know, where it can always be seen. You build your reputation yeah. from that because you were popular yeah. in the early days before there was all these platforms. Would you get spoiled? I mean, you know, I you know, screw them. Yeah, you know, maybe. I, but again, again, you still have to look at this piece of activism versus that piece. So once once videos became impossible to get a lot of hits on anymore it became necessary to switch to different types of activism that that were having an effect the thing we switched to initially was um uh was the nh exit process and getting secession legislation in front of the legislature that forced the media to do our work for us and cover us yeah no i'm i'm with you there's always you know i give you 15 gazillion examples of you know when we did this stuff before i I'm an activist since 88. Man, we got all kinds of attention and used to press exactly what you're talking about before there was broadband, before Facebook. What? I mean, you know, that it was, you know, libertarians dominated whatever internet there was and the forums and the BBSs and all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't until, I tell you when the internet went political, when it went, you know, the media went, whoa, what the hell? They always made, ooh, on the internet? That don't count, you know. It was 2004. It was when Howard Dean running for the Democratic nomination for president in 04, and uh, he was getting flash mobs. You know, he was using the Internet, and all of a sudden, a thousand kids show it, kind of like Ron Paul thing, you know? And they were like, whoa, what the crap is this? And he got up and he goes, woo-hoo, man, we're... And that, him yelling, you know, just excited. They go, oh, he's crazy, he can't have... That was what, that was the only thing they could go after him for. And then he made him... You know, Democrat National Committee chair for a while to shut him up and pay him up, whatever, you know, because they had, Kerry was the guy and he was coming up showing them how the internet could be used. Well, from 2002, the gubernatorial race in Arizona, then they got, uh, uh, first time that the Republicans, you know, were getting up there with the libertarians and using web pages. By 04, it was a thing. So then 05 is when YouTube started. And then by 07, beginning of 07, was the Ron Paul Revolution and launch. Here we go. So then the, that, they didn't see that one coming. They didn't know what the hell to do. But they sure as got, hell got on it. They were like, oh, hell no. We got to be able to control this. Well, then all that's coming out now, how they were controlling it and government-sponsored violations of the First Amendment, blah, 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 blah. But it doesn't matter. They're going to do it. If they can, they are. They are going to keep 
doing the control and the kind of stuff that you do. So you do the earned media with the press and local television station and you know that, that's fine and that's what i do that's how we started i keep trying to bring it back to arizona I'm in maine right now we'll get back to arizona october but you know and i'm going to be doing occupy the land stuff and you know building my house and they're going to be screwing with me and i'm going to have some fun but the point is is that i know how effective what you're talking about is but there needs to be an accumulation of this to be able when someone comes to have a linear telling of the story a chronology of what's going on and how and why and who you are and you start getting more attention and it has more impact when you do this stuff because if there isn't an archive of it then everybody comes in fresh all the time and they get to know what you're doing with just the latest issue as opposed to an accumulation of advocacy for freedom, especially when you want people to move to New Hampshire. So I'm saying it doesn't matter how many hits you get. It's it's how permanent the record of what you're doing is. You see my point? Well, maybe we should go to doing some things in stone. There you go. Stonehenge. <laughs> but you know, I, Georgia Guidestones. I'm only half joking here. I mean, do you follow Graham Hancock at all? Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know if I agree with his theory that there was an ancient, you know, advanced civilization that was wiped out. I don't think it was probably as advanced as he's claiming. But he is right know. about one. He's right about one thing, uh, and that is that uh, you know, if uh, you know, if certain types of disasters hit the Earth right now they would just wipe everything we've done out and everyone for, would forget us except for the stone. They'd have they'd have Mount Rushmore and they'd have Hoover Dam, right? And who, who were these people, right? right. And that's all they've got to work with. You know, so, so maybe the Free Staters, we, maybe we should be doing something in stone, like an obelisk or something like that. Uh, you know, the whole process here uh, that, I, you know, that I've been describing to you has sort of been an orderly retreat or a, a fighting retreat, whatever you want to call it. You know, we, we advanced to, 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 at least I look, looking at it from my own perspective, the world made it possible to do great YouTube stuff for 10 years. And there was just no kind of activism like that that a, a person could do by themselves. And it was just so much fun. Uh, and we've lost that. And so we're trying out something that was a little bit more primitive, you know. Uh, and if that gets taken away, maybe we do something even more primitive than that. Uh, yeah, signs. Yeah, yeah. Well, Newspapers. yeah. That's another thing I've been I, I've been really enjoying, and this is very therapeutic. I put signs up all over the place. You know, uh, they say di- you know different liberty things in New Hampshire that I think are the, the, what's the best thing I can put on a small sign. I put it on that sign, and I've been collecting uh, like uh, I, you know I do I do some roadside cleanup, and I'll, I'll, I'll collect whenever I see you know one of those signs that's fallen over. Somebody puts by the side of the road and it's fallen over uh, and it's lawful for me to take it. Uh, I'll pick up that sign and repurpose it, get it rehabilitated and put something new on it and put it in a high traffic area. So that's another fun thing that we can do. You know, uh, but at, at the same time, you're right as well. There are new technologies that are coming along that are maybe more advanced. What it is ain't exactly clear. Hey, you are going to love the movie Victimless Crime Spree. It's hilarious, heartwarming, and carries a ton of inspiring freedom messages. Feeling down about the lack of liberty in your life? 
You need to put on this film with some friends and have a good laugh. It's a true story about me and my friends in New Hampshire living free, singing, dancing, and getting arrested. Of course, it's all on video, and the bad guys, the cops, judges, bailiffs, and sheriffs, they all play their part like it's out of a movie or something. You would think we scripted the whole thing, but it's real life. Go ahead and have a watch, and if it's been a while, have another look. I guarantee you'll notice things now that you didn't notice before. And the best part is that you're going to walk away feeling a renewed sense of your own power. You are the master of your destiny, and you will be free in your lifetime. Victimless Crime Spree. Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Americans, let us make them remember. We are not Here on Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock on the Free Talk Live Network. I'm publisher of freedomsphoenix.com, but before that, when we started that in 2005, we were street activists, you know, libertarian candidates, you know, party officers in Arizona causing all kinds of calamity and making sure that people paid attention to what the issues were that we knew were not being discussed in political discourse. So we injected that in in many different ways. Street activism, signs, signs everywhere, a sign, our own Navy Dick 360 offset printing press where we'd print up a bunch of stuff. We started our own newspaper that we did hundreds of thousands of copies of uh, on a regular basis. It's the street activism that generated mainstream media, the lamestream media, the media so last century, to where we had a lot of things to say. We gave really good rhetoric. We had a consistent message. Freedom's the answer. What's the question? And uh, it had a big impact on why Arizona was, you know, a lot of things came out of Arizona freedom-oriented. But then when you have a, imagine this, you got a two-by-four in front of you, and it's got 50 nails pounded in it. Well, which one gets the attention? The one that's sticking up the most. They bring the hammer, you know, bam, 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 bam. And we kept on resisting the hammer. Now, when people, when they stop hitting you with the hammer, they think that, oh, wow, they stopped hitting us with the hammer. Well, no, they're just raising it. 
to bring it down again. <laughs> so we had fun doing it. We were satisfied with our actions. We weren't answering to, we didn't care what some newspaper or television station or radio station, you know, reported about us. Our big goal was that they say it. You know, they come in and go tie-dye wearing, dope-smoking, gun-toting, you know, libertarian so-and-so says this about that. As time went on, they started dropping the adjectives. Now it's just everybody and their grandmother in politics could tell you how libertarian they are. And, of course, real libertarians are going, wow, you know, they're, they're just appropriating the term because they know it's beginning to have a positive connotation in the mind of the public. So... The reason that happened was activism. It was challenging the narratives, giving a principled response, and being clairvoyant in the prediction of how these types of policies and laws and statutes and efforts, what the future was going to bring and how it was going to unroll. Well, it did. So now we need, now once they control big tech, once they're deplatforming, canceling, uh, controlling. You can't even get ones and zeros on the Internet, you know, to be able to express yourself. Then we have to go back to the old school, which is fine with me. Sign, sign, everywhere a sign. So this is something that we understand. Now, David Ridley, the Ridley Report, was one of the beginnings of that trans, you know, uh, admitting the street activism that he would advocate and do in the digital form. That was the beginning. It was when broadband really started hitting the Internet in the early 2000s, and certainly with video hitting the Internet with YouTube, and it used to have a lot of competitors until it all consolidated and Google bought up everything. But the um, at the time, video hitting the Internet was a thing just like artificial intelligence is going to be hitting, it's going to be a thing. We'll talk about that in the future. But this is the beginning of what we saw as a transition from street activism doing earned media and the lamestream media and being our own media. Well, they had, they, them, those won't leave us alone, T3. They had to get, they had to get control of that. But now we can always go back because 100,000 people seeing a sign on a freeway overpass is 100,000 people seeing a sign on a freeway overpass during rush hour one day in a metropolis of whatever. So when David Ridley talked about reconstituting his efforts in such a way, my encouragement was you still need to document it. You need to document the what you've been doing to be an inspiration to people. And now there are platforms that can't be deleted. We've been working on this for years, seeing that this was coming. So that's what this conversation is about and why I wanted to uh, relay it to you guys. And you understand there's a reason to our madness, certainly mine, more with David Ridley, right? Yeah. Maybe Bastion is one of those, and so while it's just some an of example, are, that's not that's not my point. Yeah. Talk to Brian Becker; he's you know got all kinds of different methods for and servers for guys like you and stuff. But you know, and then Derek yeah. up here and Agarist hosting, and I mean, it's, we've been working on this, but that is not the answer. That's why I wanted to talk to you. What you're doing is the answer. It's just you want to document it so that it is retained and digitally accessible. See, I want 
public see. Well, public see of what? Somebody being public see out in the public. That's what. You don't see me doing the kind of activism that you're talking about. But if you're counting on the media or the newspapers or that to, to archive this for you, it's not going to happen. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we did in the 90s are stricken. You know, they're not even they're in the archives of newspapers. Oh, hell no. And I'm like, okay, well, we needed to make sure that all the stuff that we've done just for our own edification, just for our own resource. That's one thing about Freedoms Phoenix. At the top right, we have a search engine there. There's over 600,000 headlines on Freedoms Phoenix. We started that in 05. We have 50, 70 stories a day. And what happens is that whole archive, when I go to the search engine to look for something, God forbid, use Google, you can't find anything of any worth of crap you wanted to. I remember when they did that. Nope, it's not there. I go search Freedom's Phoenix. Hell yeah, it's there. And it was from Google. I mean, you know, it's amazing how much they're deleting history. It's 1984. It's it's just yep. it's it's amazing. So I want the only thing I wanted to read. I, I wanted to encourage you to do exactly what you're doing. I'm just saying that when you if you can find a place, so I was asking, do you have a place something that I don't know? And you're sharing with me, Ernie. Hey, go over here. This is where publicy and permanency is forever and always. Whatever. Well, even if Odyssey, if it's still there, use that. I don't give a crap how many. Well, nobody looked at it. Who gives a crap? You know, it, it's documentation of the 200,000 people that went under that overpass. You know, I, I I don't care. Everybody's so worried about what their channel and how much traffic. I, I don't even look on Freedom's Phoenix. I have this big site doing blah, blah. Don't even look at the Don't care. Don't freaking care because it's not about that. I have my own subscribers and own people, the thousands of whatever that do that and input and send me all kinds of memes and different stuff. And, it, and it's built up of the people. I remember after the Evolution, it's 09, we had over 200-something thousand subscribers on my site. Okay? Not you, all that kind of crap, didn't care. 200,000, but were they really? How many dot mills were there? You know, how many, you know, government, you know, stuff, how many trolls, how many? So we purged them, purged them, purged them, triple opt-in, purge, 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 got down to like 30,000, went up to back 80, then we got back down like 40. You know, we just, I've been purging like a bitch in preparation for what's coming. This is, it's, it's coming. And what, one of the, say, I, a good example. You remember James Babb? You know James Babb from Philadelphia? Yes. Yeah, he's always at Park. Well, he's like up here with me at Derek's. He's like twenty feet away in you know his camping rig. And um, uh, a couple nights ago, we did they call it uh, punk rock uh, libertarians or something. It's a LRN show that he's part of. And then I have to be here, and we went in and sat and hung out. And I go, "Yep, here we go, guys." Like that's what I was waiting on. The old podcast style of people just, you know, having this kind of conversation like you and I are having was activist being active, talking about activism and how many minds can you free. And it's all about general public opinion. 
What I want and what I'm trying to encourage you to do is to do exactly what you're talking about. That's why I wanted to talk to you, but to archive it, to make it available for when people need the inspiration. Who is this guy? How did they do it? I want to do it. They go, and there are all the videos and everything. Because all you need to have is just, God, I mean, we started the Levolution with, like, being two guys, you know, we've all the stuff that we've done in Arizona and all the things that went national and everything. It was like a couple of dozen of us in the Libertarian Party. And I had the time to do it. And they had some resources and time and and we kick ass. Same thing to what you were doing in the Free State Project here in New Hampshire. It was a few people that you know gave a crap, came and then boom, it's exploding. So when you have these people that want to come, what are they coming to? What are the issues? How is it argued? What's your rhetoric? You know, you have the podcast guy, LRN, you have Free talk, you have freedom of speech, you got to declare your independence, and the Ridley Report accumulation of your perspective that can't be deleted. It's public see there forever and always. How many times have you put so much effort in the stuff and it was deplatformed or it's gone or you don't have it saved or you went through all kinds of crap to get it uh, processed from a magnetic tape to put it up and now it's gone? I get it, man. So you need to well, have permanency. Actually, that's pretty uncommon. It's very little of the content I've created has actually been deleted. Uh, The problem with YouTube was they started deleting some of my stuff and threatened to delete all of it if I kept uploading videos, essentially. (laughs) Um, So that's that's why I stopped uploading there. Just to give you an example, okay? Piratebox.info. Now, when we started doing all this, the IPFS thing, we knew that um, people were going to need to have easy, quick access to be able to make these files and put them up and be part of the network and it not go away. So what we have is just a USB external SSD drive, just plugs into the side of your computer, and you put all your stuff there, you get it hashed, and it gets up on the network, and you can be the seed file, and it goes to a bunch of others and other pirate boxes and other IPFS nodes, and you're done. Okay, piratebox.info, and you'll see that for years we've been developing the David Ridley solution. <laughs> piratebox.info, I'll plan to look at that too. So this is, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I mean, what's it's the, a concept. Sorry, it's the concept, David, to where it can't be deleted. Because I understand people like you that did so much stuff and have it, where do I go to get it? And if I could go to YouTube and look up Ridley Report, well, you can't. They're all years old because you're afraid to put something up. Because, you know, I stopped posting on YouTube. I got a bunch of stuff from the Revolution. There's a bunch of stuff up there. But I stopped posting, God, in 910, I could see what was going on. I said, nope, we're not doing this anymore. So what happened just like six months ago, I got my first strike. And I'm like, what? What the heck was it? It was something. I remember what it was. I don't even think I even looked. They just make it up. You know, there was something that pissed off somebody from years ago. So I yeah, that's that's what they were doing. That's what they're still doing to me. Yeah, they took down a video. I shot ten or a, a video from ten years ago where I illustrated a Ron Paul speech, I guess, and added a picture of what he was talking about. And they said the picture was too graphic. Ten years later, and took the video down. Yep. Yep. Yep, yep. We got to have a solution to that. It but, was a, it was a picture of a, a picture of a U.S. government atrocity in Afghanistan. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to show that. Of course not to the people who paid for it. So I, I'm with you, brother. 
So I'm, but I don't want my um, encouragement to find a digital solution to make this stuff available that I enjoyed from you for years. You know, I, 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 I want that. But the reason I wanted to talk to you was the fact that you're going old school and bringing back the street activism and going after yeah. having to earn well, press with you know I'm I'm all for that. We're 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 planning to and nothing's happened yet, right? Like it's just, like I, I did I, this is all backwards because I would have expected to do something and then get publicity. But I really appreciate that you're giving us publicity before we've even found our our new cause. I already yet, know so what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, well, what may here's what may happen. Here's, here's two things that may happen. One thing that may happen, maybe the press is not even reporting on government abuses anymore in New Hampshire. That, that wouldn't surprise me. And, uh, you know, the other thing I'm worried about is having an event, you know, on the other side of the state. And I can't get there for some reason because I don't have a car. But, you know, we got to you got to start. You've got to be you got to do what the what the, city the are you in? Where are you at? I'm I'm in West uh, are in, in Winchester, you know, in the absolute left corner of the state, or the lower left, you know, the lower the south southeast corner of the state. I'm sorry, southwest corner of the state. So it's very difficult for me to get to Portsmouth or something like that. But but the but the thing is, we've got to do you know we've got to do like the the the, the old uh, Florence, the, the government of Florence once did one of the few things the government ever did right. They started that cathedral, right? Even though they didn't know how to put a roof on it, they started to bump the base. And later on, they knew if someone would come along, who would be able to figure out how to make the roof. And it was the Medici, and it triggered the Renaissance, right? So uh, we, we just got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> so well, hell, I, I, I take over where you're at, the little village of Irul. I mean, you know, everybody's freedom-oriented here in the county of whatever. That's what Jay did in Weir. You know, it's like Henniker and all the area up there, they... You know, I'm free here. Watch. You know, I you don't got to travel to get the what did you take care of business there? Do your own newsletter, Abner. Yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. So I am there, there is there is a thing I'm doing here in Winchester, and it's uh, I, I call it the Disinfector Dave Project, and I'm just I'm just uh, and again it it goes back to this primitive primitive publicity. I'm just trying to like like wear a URL. Uh, while I'm cleaning up on the roadside. So the default would be like nhexit.us while I'm cleaning up a roadside. Absolutely. Maybe set up a sign. Yeah, so just so they so they see the URL. I don't rely on any media. They just see the URL and associate it with roadside cleanup, and they maybe they go to the URL, or maybe they have a higher opinion of the independence movement or something like that. So that's something I can do right here, and I am doing that. You know, there was something. Yeah, I'm looking at where Winchester is. It's like. Southwest of Keene, I don't know, 40 miles or if that. But um, um, what we used to do, you ever heard of Burma Shave signs? You know what I'm talking about? No. Burma Shave signs were like in um, the 50s or something. Burma Shave was a, you know, like a shaving cream. And their campaign was they had like a series, like, you know, four, five, six signs that said stuff, you know, blah, 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 blah. Then blah, blah, blah. So like you're driving and you kind of read it, you know, in multiple signs. It was a like a limerick or a saying. And the last one was always Burma shave, you know. It was like a rhyme in Burma shave. So in the 90s, we would do that for libertarian campaigns. You know, um, the government got you down, you know, you don't need a frown, uh, you know, vote libertarian or some crap like that, right? So yeah. the, these signs, you do these Burma shave signs wherever you're, 
working on the road, you just put these signs up, and then as they're going, they read it, and then boom, there you are with a QR code, you know, or they have a QR code, or it's just a regular thing, and it's it doesn't it doesn't matter about you know how many people you change; it's who they are, the ones that are motivated. And it's where you live. That's what we keep talking about, decentralization. This is it. David's free where he's at. You know, the people there, general popular public opinion is government sucks. You know, go there. I mean, you know, it's, it's you know, take care of where you're at. Quit worrying about all the, you know, like Manchester, screw Manchester, Concord, Natural. Who gives a crap, you know? So well, I, actually, no, but you're, you're right that actually, if you think about it, you mentioned Jay Noon's place in where there's. It seems like there's one of those in every other town now in New Hampshire. There's something going on. There's like all this stuff going on in Grafton. The, the West Manchester has their big free stater community, and they're doing all this stuff. And so the, there's it, it's it's really sprouting up everywhere yeah. across the state. And so you can do something pretty much anywhere. And Winchester's. I'm looking at pictures here. God, it's gorgeous. Well, this is nice. Yeah, it's pretty. It's it's in a you know it's surrounded by hills. Well, own it, David, Winchester. It's David's now. <laughs> well, sometimes it doesn't feel like it's mine, but I can at least do some stuff here. That that would be a lot. It's a lot less useful when I do it when I'm visiting Colorado. That's for sure. Well, I I encourage. That's why I wanted to talk to you because I remember the impact you had on me and a lot of other people, even back in Arizona. And um, the stuff that you were doing was appreciated way more than I think you realize. And I, I, I don't want it lost or not being able to be replicated or an inspiration to other people that look back on all the stuff that you did. Heck, if you just had a, a site on wherever, Coral Bastion, you know, IPFS, your own, talk back, whatever. Well, yeah, I, I can tell you what I've done so far. And it's not it's not like this just all stopped in 2020, right? Like it took two years for this to, to go belly up, for the Riddler Report to go belly up. Uh, and and one of the steps that I took that was that was that was promising, you know, in 2018 was to convert my channel all all over to, to Odyssey, to send all my videos over to Odyssey. Although they, they they were not able to accept all of them, they only accepted the most recent 1,000 videos, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are safe, I think, on Odyssey to a large extent. That's oh. decentralized. And um, uh, the, what's what's at risk is probably the 2003. I'm sorry, that would be the 2000. Eight era videos, uh, many of which are backed up on Metacafe. They're all backed up on my hard drives and stuff like that. Rich Paul uh, tried to make a like a backup that could easily be uploaded to the internet of everything I'd ever shot. Yeah. But then he was arrested right after he did that in an unrelated Bitcoin uh, raid. Yeah, and, crypto um, sex thing. Yeah. They they seized that they seized that hard drive, and I don't think it was possible to replicate that. So I do have I have the I have the files. So but again, like I said, right now I would say there is a there's a small window that yeah I, I could sort of be taken out, deleted, but it, everything else is is uh, is redundant in some form or fashion or decentralized, and it's all on my hard drives. The, the problem is it's just it, it would be very difficult for me to take all the videos from 2007 through 2010. And get them back on the internet one file at a time. Yeah, no, I'm not. Just... Don't worry about it. That's not the point. You know, it's it's the idea that what you do now as we're going into this next phase post COVID of oh my god, everybody's like something's up, man. What the hell just happened? And you start doing what you're doing. 
um, I, 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 I want that archive. I want it available. I want to be able to share it on Freedom's Phoenix. I want a link that doesn't go bad. You know, I, yeah. I, it's, I can't, one of the biggest reasons why we did the IPFS thing was like, oh, I'm sorry, that link is no longer available. No, you can't do it. And it was stuff that, you know, I curated and made a big deal out of and look at this. And just, then it became very clear that the internet was not permanent. They, 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 oh, hell no. You had to make it permanent yourself. We'll be fighting in the streets with our children and our feet. There are those that just want to be left alone. And those that just won't leave them alone. Which one are you? The Ernest Hancock Show. Welcome back to the Free Talk Lives Network presentation of Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock. We're finishing up our conversation with David Ridley, formerly of the Ridley Report, that was an activist extraordinaire back in the day, and an inspiration to a lot of this that were melding earned media on the street activism that started to meld into digital media using YouTube and other video platforms. And I think we get a lot from this looking back to what's going to need to happen now that we're going into the future. It's going to be different, but you can't ignore, you can't censor a sign. Your activism out on the street. That's the point that I'm trying to make. Well, hopefully you enjoy this final segment with David Ridley, and if you scroll through the archive on Declare Your Independence with ErnestHancock.com, or you can access that at FreedomsPhoenix.com, Freedom with an S, FreedomsPhoenix.com. At the top right, you'll see the icon for Declare Your Independence and uh, the ad you click into that for the archive. And there's a lot of these shows that we've done on making sure that you understand how to have more permanency on the Internet. This is, I tell you one thing that really motivated me is I would always have to watch spinning wheels loading up files all the time. And if you do YouTube and bit shoot and rumble and, you know, and, 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 and it was, uh, you had to watch the spinning wheels, and then if it didn't load, you had to do it again. And if you didn't have the greatest internet, we were traveling remotely and using hot spots, and then you had to, I mean, you know, it, it's very frustrating and time-consuming and a waste of time. And I understood that. What if I could just load one file and have it available to replicate with scripting that would just automatically put it up? Or there be a service for that? Well, there is. It's called Content Safe. Contentsafe.io, we've been working with uh, developing this because we wanted to be able to load one file on a protocol that's called IPFS, Interplanetary File System or File Sharing. And we'll go into detail in the future. Stay tuned to this show and explain to you how that provides permanency of data. It's kind of like a blockchain or a crypto, you know, that it's it's noted, it's a, it adds to a big file, and a bunch of people have the copies of the file, or they can pin to their computer or their devices all of your content, and then it's available on a network that, you know, they have to delete all of them <laughs> to be able to get it. So <clears throat> there's a lot of these uh, opportunities available. And we wanted to make sure that we delved into that because as personal applications also, I'll tell you this story. We had a, um, uh, my 
12th grandchild was being born. I have four kids, 12 grandkids. And my youngest daughter was having our, our latest. And this was just, uh, you know, a few years ago. I think he just had his fourth birthday. So four or five years ago, she had a ultrasound that's one of those like 3D image. I mean, might as well put the portrait up on the wall because you can see what they look like. It's, it's amazing technology. And she put it on her Facebook account and shared it with all her siblings and friends. And I, I, you know, I, I don't do Facebook anymore. And I, you know, I, I have to get it another way. But the, uh, she put that up and I realized my grandchild was facial recognitioned before he was born. I'm like, what the crap? Nope, 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 nope. There has to be a mechanism by which I, I asked her, I go, why did you put up a family? Well, I wanted everybody, you know, share it with friends and family and kind of whatever. And, you know, went through uh, Zuckerberg's, we got Zuck, you know, and I'm like, okay. There has to be a way to load files that can be available to anyone that's interested. You know, not everybody can. You know, I don't need it stored by, you know, they, them, those. I don't need it to be facial recognition in the archive of, you know, they their facial recognition on the street at 18 months old. I, I no, no, no. So there was a mechanism by which you could save it on this IPFS protocol, and you share the file. It's not a location. It's not a server that is. Uh, somewhere on a rack on a server farm somewhere. It's a file that's replicated over a bunch of places, which if you had a simple Raspberry Pi for $35 and you had that on the Internet running this protocol, all the family members would get a copy of it and all the family members would be the server of that content so that it go faster. The more people that access a file, the faster it goes. So I'm going, okay. So I have... My wife and I, grandma and grandpa, our four children, and then, of course, you know, their spouses, family, and it just kind of extends. But, you know, um, they we have five Raspberry Pis. You load a set of photos or videos or whatever you want up to that protocol, and you just share the link. You share the address. It looks like a, you know, a crypto address, like a Bitcoin address or something. And you just click on that. The protocol goes out and looks for that file, and boom, it brings it back. And where's it at? On the devices of your family. Now, I saw a presentation that this was done at Arizona State University. It was a competition for lawyers that wanted to uh, take advantage of new tech that was coming in. And this one guy gave a presentation. I was looking for this. I was looking him up and saw that he was giving this presentation. I called him. He said, hey. Come down. It was like 45 minutes later. I zoomed down there on a Saturday to watch. And what it was, he said, what if your clients had these Raspberry Pis? Your clients, or do a computer or whatever, but it's as easy to do on, on a Raspberry Pi. works just as well. And you had your computer in your law offices. They had access to their files with their password, with their hash. Nobody else could even find it, much less get into it when it's encrypted. So they would be able to access all of their documents that you uh, curated for them. And you could charge for this service. But I could see their wheels spinning. They weren't interested because of all the billing time that it took to be able to go find the file and send it to them. They're getting paid gazillions of dollars an hour to do that. They don't want a computer doing it for them. 
<laughs> so, so I saw the applications for this to where you have secure access to your data and anyone else that wants to. The only way that they could, someone could, one, they had to be able to know that file name and then get through the encryption to get to it. But it's replicated and you don't lose the data. That's the benefit. You don't lose it. And when it's updated, it updates on your device. So this is kind of what I was thinking. I, it really motivated me when I saw that, you know, you're serving up your kids to they, them, those. I'm like, no, 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 no. So these are the things that we'll be talking about and how you can make more permanent data. And now with the rest of the conversation with our friend David Ridley. Then it became very clear that the Internet was not permanent. You had to make it permanent yourself. You had to do it yourself. Give you a good example. There was a BBC thing, um, God, back early 2000s, or I mean, it was probably even before that, but I came across it. It was a four-hour, four-part special, Century of the Self, and it was about Freud and Bernays and public relations and how they conned the masses and all this. This is a BBC thing done back in the day. So I'm going, this is awesome. Everybody should see this. Then I put it up, and every time you go to that link, up, oh, deleted. Go find it again, deleted. Go find it again, deleted. Go find it again, deleted. I'm like, what the crap? So then when they were going after Kanye West uh, years ago, and uh, when they first started going after him before he went all stupid, they, he, goes, he goes, look, you guys want to know what's going on? Go watch Century of the Self. Take your phone, you know, you're all blue face all the time. Go watch that and then tell me what's up. And I went, what snap? How many, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands of young black men went and saw Century of the Sound? I'm like, hell yeah. But it keeps getting deleted all the time. So I'm. this is why I'm all about publicy, the permanency of the files. And what you're doing now as we go into this next wave post-COVID, you know, it was, it was post-9-11, it was post-economic crash, it's post-COVID. Well, there's a whole lot more people that, in addition to all the 9-11 people that woke up, you know, from this COVID lockdown crap. And I'm going, okay, so they are much more susceptible to being able to have their general public opinion shift with the kind of stuff that you've already done, that you're going to do again. And I don't want it to be, well, I got it on a hard drive somewhere, and it's kind of part of it. Kind of, no, there's technology now that you take advantage yourself or different platforms that were created for this reason. You see my point? And ultimately, when they come for your stuff to, you know, to try and delete you, that's what they do when that they're when, in theory, at least. That's what they do when that they're at the end of their power, not the beginning. Yep. It was like somebody once told uh, uh, Nora Beloff, the uh, the, the uh, Yugo, Yugoslav expert, the Anglo Anglo Yugo. <laughs> oh, she was from England, but she spoke Serbian, and she was an expert on Yugoslavia. And she used to say, "Okay, so I'm on this train, and everyone's criticizing the government." That does not mean the government is getting more benign. It means the government is about to go away. And sure enough, five years later, there was no Yugoslavia. So um, that's that's the thing. When they use their power, that means they're close to the end of it. And and their time is coming to an end. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you, brother. And And it's always depicted by people exactly like you. See, that's why I was so excited. You know, I the Shire Side Forum, how I'm going, you know, I saw, I don't even know how I came across it that you were doing this. 
and um, uh, resurrecting this. And I go, yeah, Ridley's doing it. So I had to go join the forum to try and get a hold of you. And, you know, call me, man, call me. I want to talk. So I wanted to be encouraging because to have one of the old guys, the old guard, uh, you know, original before broadband or right when it started getting going and the early days of YouTube and all that, what happened, to have gone through this and know that you have to do street action. You have to have signs, papers, pamphlets, door-to-door, run campaigns, help uh, somebody being abused by the government in your local community, show up with a video camera. All the stuff that you did before that was so inspiring to so many people, I'm like, hell yeah, hell yeah. I'm, you know, if you do this, especially in your own little town of your little town of your little town, if you do this, you know, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to cover the snot out of it. So you just keep me informed, okay? Well, thanks so much, Ernie. That really means a lot. You know, I have to be upfront with you about something, and I know I alluded to this on the web forum when we were talking, but I had I had sort of been, like, nervous that maybe you weren't covering us enough or that you weren't going to cover us enough. And uh, I think <laughs> having you just reach out out of the blue like that, it really reassured me that, because we're, we're gradually losing Free Talk Live, it seems like, and, uh, you know, that that's a key way for us to get the word out about what we're doing and it's really nice to know that you seem to be coming along and kind of filling up some of that space and you that unlike what i thought a few weeks ago i guess you really you really are looking after us and i appreciate that so much well you know something i don't know if you know ian gave me uh free talk lives monday nights i do monday for their slot on genesis now yeah so you know it, yeah that's, that's great so, hey, there's something else that we're doing uh, that you, I mean, since you're so focused on the past, as, as I kind of am too, um, I, I started doing something a few weeks ago that I hope you uh, uh, will agree is useful, and that is, I call it the um, uh, This Year in Free State History. So I go 20 years back and just t- tell the world what we were doing 20 years ago. So while we've still got Free Talk Live, while they're still able to get, you know, one or 200,000 hits per night just by picking up the phone uh i'm i'm going over our history on on these new on these new uh podcasts uh, these are these you know these new shows and uh, just going through it almost month by month starting with 2003 and next year i'll pick up 2004 and so that will put what you know some of some of the interesting things we've done that will put it back into the record uh, and I, I did that. I did that without knowing you were thinking about this. So maybe great minds think alike. <laughs> yeah, you know, activists know what's up. Well, I tell you what happened is I did um, on Freedoms Phoenix. We have the newsletter archive. We send out the email dispatch every day, and it's chron- chronological. We started uh, keeping track of it. God, over a decade ago. You know, and uh, archiving that. So when I'm doing a show, a lot of times I'll go. You know. I remember this. Let's go back. I do it every time. I go, 10 years ago. Just exactly. What's today? It's August, uh, whatever the hell it is. August 9th, 2023. We go August 9th, uh, 2013. And read the headlines from that day. It's the same crap. The same people, the same stuff, the same, 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 same. And I go, you just need to know that there's a trend. This is nothing new. It's all about we rule you kind of stuff and be afeard. So I'm just like, nope, 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 nope. So I'm I'm, with you, man. I just want to make sure that you know that I want to encourage you. 
and I'm, I'm here. You got something rocking and rolling and whatnot, and you want to do a show, or hell, I give you a writer status, and you can just go right on Freemans Phoenix. I don't give a crap. Or you do what they call be a reporter, and you just send a link, and it goes up. I just man, wait on you now, David. Well, there is there is an ugly Ridley truth, and that is that Ridley is lazy. So, which is why Ridley, I created Ridley all not, that. Ridley, Ridley does not like to upload things to four different places. He does not like to write articles. He likes to pick up the camera and Boom. aim it at the bureaucrat. Well, he let likes me to know. Pick up the phone, pick up the phone, and talk to the show. <laughs> so, well, so, uh, you know, if you can put it somewhere, something. You know, then Freedom's Phoenix, we get the link and it's up, and then it's searchable. Yeah, and so have what, and what would work? What, what would what would work is if there's some automated process, right? So I only have to put something in one place. Are and you I don't, freaking and, kidding and, and me? What did I just say? Go to go to Freedom's. Oh, you're gonna make me do this. I gotta go. I gotta get ready for my next one. But go ahead and do this. Go to uh, freedomsphoenix.com. I show you. Yeah, freedomsphoenix.com. Okay, the horizontal navigation bar. There it is. Yeah, you know. Oh, hey, hang on. Let me see. Okay, my my brow. I I mean, I was just writing it down. I'm I'm opening my browser right now. Here, let's see. So, apologies to the audience for this for this logistics. <laughs> now they need the time too. Okay, so um, right below the top banner ad, there you'll see this orange navigation bar that goes across. Yeah, it says more news, whatever. In the middle, it says join us. Hover over that. All right. Yeah. The second one down says, be a reporter. Be a reporter. I see it. I'm okay. clicking it. Click on that. Now, it you have to be uh, a subscriber, but you can do it for free. You know? Uh-huh. Once you go in your subscriber, it'll create a um, uh, an entry. Just what category you want to put it. Just put, click a button. Put the link in. What's the title? You know, if you want to do a graphic or whatever, just boom. You send it. And then we look at it, approve it, make sure it's formatted pretty. We do all, 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 all the work for you, you know. And then boom, it goes up on Freedom's Phoenix. And all you got to do is put a link, average, but you have to have a link. You're not okay. You're not. You're not going to like this question, but w- when somebody uploads something that way, what what or puts something there that way, what is the average number of hits that it gets? I have no idea. Don't care. Yeah, okay. Don't look. Doesn't matter. Well, I, I don't. I don't mind. I don't care either, as long as I'm not having to do a lot of work to put up each link. <laughs> so, so it'd be uh, that's the, the problem. Is no, it, the format it, is I, there. I have... All right. Oh man, I'm gonna slap you. All right. Go down to the bottom of Freedom's Phoenix. Just take it to the front page. Mm-hmm. Go all the way to the bottom. I'm there. In those little hyperlinks, you'll see down the far right. It says tutorials using this site. List of tutorials. You see that? But I found the word tutorial. <laughs> List of tutorials. Click on that. The top one uh-huh. is a video. It's just like a 12-minute video. It's an old one because all this oh. stuff really hasn't changed on here forever. So it's probably, God, it's probably 11 years old or something. But, you know, and I don't like changing it because I hate when guys do that. Change my, hey, I learned how to, I ain't learning how to, because I don't like tutorials either. But anyway, so... You watch this, the Freedom's Phoenix tutorial, watch that, and it'll show you all the power of Freedom's Phoenix. All, every single button, what, really quick, this button does this, this button does that, this button does that, and it shows you how to be a reporter, it shows you how to do it done. Okay. Hey, I talked to you for a freaking hour, man. You go there and look at it, butthead. 
<laughs> well, I will. I will look. Not, not, not. Uh, and I will not reconstitute the Riddler report until the stars are aligned. I just want to been, let I've you been, know that there's support out there for you, and there are new yeah. ways. All the prop because this is why they did it. They wanted to frustrate you. They wanted you to feel you wasted your time. They wanted to feel that you can only say certain things and not other things. That you can't talk about certain subjects. That if you do this, it's not going to get any hits. The metrics aren't there. Okay, that's why they did this is to make David yeah, well, really feel exactly what you're articulating right now. That's why they and did that's, it. And that's why we put secession legislation in front of the legislature for a, for the first time in U.S. history. Yeah, no, I, I, I dig that, too. We, oh, we, definitely uh, we, we that. got more. We got more out of it. We, 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 this stuff, we wouldn't have been doing this stuff if we had freedom, right? Right. We, they're, 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 they're deplatforming, and many of the other things they've done, that's the reason why we have a strong independence movement in New Hampshire and why we've changed history. I'm with you, brother. All right, I got to get going, but I tell you, you know, I, I wanted to encourage you. I didn't want to fight with you. I just wanted to freaking, you know, damn, let you know that there's support out there and that I remember how effective you were back in the day and all the systems and stuff and the audience and subscriber and everything that we built up is there for people exactly like you. And I wanted you to know why we did everything the way we did to create the the base, the fundamental, it's always going to be there stuff for exactly what I know you're already planning on doing. So I'm like, uh, uh, so there. <laughs> okay, well, something good will come from this conversation. We'll find out exactly what later. Yeah, if somebody else is listening to it going, I'm going to slap David, too. I'll do it myself. They're going to send me an email. So <laughs> that would be the best thing. Yeah, if someone else is doing all the work for me. <laughs> right, right, right. One less thing I got to do. Well, that's what I feel with you know, all you guys. Somebody does That's why I oh, promote yeah. it. And, and, yeah, speaking of which, if anyone wants to get involved in some of that stuff we're doing, just just email me. It's RidleyReport at live.com. Ridley report at live.com give me a shout and there's any, any any number of any number of ways that people people can help from any location uh and uh you know i i do think what we're doing matters and if you agree give me an email thank you thank you thank you thank you for you know being an inspiration to me what you've done what i know you're going to do and please let me help i mean you know because i'm not going to from arizona run out and put a sign not that i haven't you know but the um but you know i will make sure you know you get like a you know a couple of hits i mean you know you count a couple for me you know <laughs> yeah it's not the number it's not the number it's not the number of uh sign waivers that counts it's the number of people who see the sign waivers yeah yeah you know but it's always nice to have some sign waivers but the um uh, I'm, I'm with you. We're on the same page. I just um, I'm more optimistic than you, I think, but but because I can see because we've been working all the crap that they did. It was motivation for us to do what we did for the next wave of what you're going to do. So I just wanted you to know, David. Okay, and you may be what I was asking for. So I'll I'll uh, I'll look at it. Right. You're, you're looking, hoping to something to happen, and Ernie and the show and declare your independence and free faith come. You're being whiny little baby. I'm like, you're killing me. You know what the I'm hell did you think was going to happen? I mean, what, what's it? What was it? Russell Canning used to say, "It's a, it's a. The house is a fire hazard, but it's a 300 year old fire hazard." <laughs> right. <laughs> so you know, I mean, I've uh, the reason I'm still doing this is because I don't burn out. 
I keep, I do what I can enjoy doing, and then I stop. And that's the way it'll still be 20 or 30 years from now, hopefully. So yeah. we'll see. You just keep at it. You know, I got a lot of guys, you know, old activists, good friends and everything. And I, you know, I don't sit there and hammer on them all the time. It's like every three years or so, I call and say, hey, I got an idea. I know that you'd, you'd want to do it. They go, oh, yeah, I can help with that. And I, and they'll, I, there's plenty of people I know give me 200 bucks, 1,000 bucks or something for some go piss off the bad guys. But, you know, a lot of them, that's not really what I need. You know, I got enough to buy the little supply. What I need is someone actually do something or they a little bit of art here or use their shop here or build a what. I mean, and they get actually sweat equity into a little something. And then I make sure it gets a lot of attention. So I know, I know that the next time I call them a year or two later, they're going to do it again. You know, so that's how it works. All right. Doing it again. That's what free staters do. All right. Peace, man. Thanks for coming on, David. It's, it's been, it's until, been fun. Until we are, until we are a free and independent nation, or at least free. <laughs> right. Thanks, man. Thanks, Ernie. Bye. Okay, bye. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com.